The Euroallegiance podcast is brought to you in part by the generosity of our wonderful Patreon supporters. Visit patreon.com forward slash the Euroallegiance podcast for bonus episodes, behind the scenes content, merchandise and more. Now, let's get to this week's show. My wallet is sobbing. I can hear it. I can hear it in the hall now. It is breaking down, crying. Uh, it turns out that Attila, the arrogant so-and-so, he's got a fake hammer. Oh, a fake? Yeah. Whoa. As I say, dick. Welcome to the Euroallegiance podcast, episode number 49. We're almost at the halfway to 100 point. Um, and this week we're going to chat a little bit about Poxes is shipping. We have a bit more detail on that. Uh, we're going to talk about the Rising Suns uh, retailer uh, drop and what the pricing is and a little focus on some of the European retailers and what they have uh, and how it's looking there and also the UK obviously and uh, we will also have a little bit of a Q&A with each other to let us or let you get to know us a little bit better so uh, how does that sound for you Mal? Sounds good to me sounds yeah. good to me yeah yeah really? and uh, some useful information today <laughs> except for <laughs> the end <of> it. <laughs> yeah. well it could be useful you know uh, when you meet us at Legion's Con and uh, want to make <laughs> small <true>. talk. I <laughs> 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 want to tell us how stupid we are. Uh, you yeah. have some basis for it. Uh, and Rich, how's the crack? You yeah, got, good, thank you. Good. You, um, you got back with all your wood from the hardware store? Yes, I, I spent £200 on various bits of wood uh, from being q earlier, so... Like rammed that full of the, I mean, the car, I think one more piece of wood, I think the car would have just said, nope, not happening. <laughs> um, so there's 37 long bits of wood and then some cut up ones for shelving and ugh. Wow. And you're a brave man at the moment with the cold weather, you know, that's uh, not the ideal time to be doing this kind of uh, stuff. No, it was blinking cold, um, <laughs> getting it out of the car and into the garage. Um because I was using my coat to pad stuff out, so I was just in a t-shirt. That was quite cold, but uh, you know, oh I'm too stupid to put on another t- yeah. t- a long sleeve top. Or, so or quite prepared on. and bring some like towels or something. Or exactly, yeah, no, no, that'd have been far too easy. So um, <laughs> instead, it was my work bag and my work, the coat I had on at work that was being used to like protect things. Wow. So yes, you're spending the price of like four or five figures just for half the amount of shelves you need. Yeah, but yeah, I guess um, this is what we need to do, isn't it? To um, actually display the stuff that we have. <laughs> yeah, and I was I was saying to my my good lady wife that if I bought bigger units rather than um just larger pieces of wood to expand the shelves, it would cost me about another hundred and eighty pound again, sort of thing. So this is definitely the cheaper way of doing it. Gotcha. Yeah, but often uh, isn't it funny the way often. Actually, if you do a bigger outlay at the start, it might actually save you money long term. Like, like, like the rest of us, you've built up over time, you know, with smaller solutions and, you know, uh, kind of di- didn't splash out too much on the shelves, I guess, as we went along. And then suddenly you're at a point where, OK, I need now big proper shelves and you have to spend a bit more. 
Yeah. And yeah. If you when did I, that when from I, the start. I've got an excuse for that though, because at the start, um, the room I I use our spare bedroom. Um, it's my yeah. display room. Um, and originally it was going to be, it was still going to be used as a spare bedroom as well. So we've got a sofa bed in there. So yeah. I was limited to how deep a unit I could get, but then we've just abandoned that idea now. So, um, so I've, I've got extra bits to make them deeper, but yeah, at the time I was, I was limited to that. So of course, and, and I can't blame, I can't blame past rich too much. Yeah. And, and of course you have to always get by with what you can, but it's a, it's a bit like the customizing. My advice would always be okay at the start, definitely get the cheap stuff and as cheap as you can get to see if it's for you. But once you decide it's for you and you're all in, get the best that you can get at what you can afford Yeah, because it will mm-hmm. save you. You know, and I, I guess a bit, even technology is the same. You know, if you're really into something or, you know, get as good as you can get within your budget because you'll eventually save that money in the future, you know, rather than upgrading and upgrading and upgrading, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, um, I'm, I'm fully psyched now for this, uh, this weekend. Three days of emptying, yeah. reorganizing and then putting back in again. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm psyched as well to follow it on our Discord and, uh, to hear stories of splinters and dropped pieces of wood. Seriously, I got and... a splinter about, no exaggeration, about an inch long through my <laughs> finger getting that wood into the car. It it didn't hurt particularly, but it, it was a bit of a shock when you look down and the entire width of your finger has just got a piece of wood through it. And you're like, oh, okay, let me just, uh, just pull you, that out. Are you up to date in your tetanus shots? <laughs> no, but hopefully it'll be okay. Cross the fingers, yeah. If you start to feel funny, you can pop down to the local, exactly, yeah. <laughs> local clinic. Yeah. Very good. Well, um, so th- this week uh, on Wednesday, the Four Horsemen uh, dropped a uh, little boxes has arrived uh, post to the social media. Uh, and they said, here's what you need to know. So I thought I would go through it a little bit uh, quickly enough, but uh, and we can talk about it. Um, so that you have what you need to know. I'm sure you've seen it, but uh, all the same, it's worth uh, reiterating. And of course, people are busy and they mightn't see all the details or have time to read the whole thing. So due to the size uh, waves, it's arriving in five total containers. So if you if you're familiar with container shipping and you know how big they are and how many figures fit in there, you can pretty much figure it out <laughs> the size of this wave. Um it's their largest ever single shipment. So there you go. Um, the line is growing. Necronomlinus will probably uh, take it over, I'm sure. Um, because Poxes is arriving across multiple containers, different figures will be arriving at different times. Now, this is a theme that we remember from Alithia, guys, isn't it? That It was slightly it different in that maybe... You know, it was a bit more unexpected. I think this is more expected this time and uh, due to the size. Um, normally they ship the all-ins first. So all of us smug guys with our all-ins are, are sitting back waiting for them to ship first. But uh, the container that the all-ins are on is not the first one to arrive. So you'll have to sit back and uh, be patient, us all-in guys. Um, so... They did say that when the all-ins do arrive, they will pretty much jump the queue from that point and that they, because they're literally, literally slap a label on and put them out the door. And that, of course, frees up space for them in the warehouse, seeing as they don't need to do any kind of, uh, you know, picking and packing, which is what takes the most time in this shipping uh, process. Um, 
Can you imagine just having like the size of your house full of figures and having to kind of print out a label from a computer and go and pick oh one one tarnog and two trays and put it in a box? <laughs> that sounds like fun. It would be fun throughout the first twenty five minutes, yeah. and then it'd be like, nope. Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> just the possibility of getting that wrong by human error um, is quite high. So. It, that this doesn't happen very often is uh, quite amazing, really. Um, so uh, they said that they will begin processing immediately what figures have arrived. So basically, we don't know exactly which figures have arrived, but I think if you're in the boat where you've ordered a few figures or one or two uh, f- figures or one type of figure, you possibly could get your shipping notice very soon, I would say. Um and they take, they say that the shipping is going to take, um, four to five weeks. Um, so there you go. And also know that if you get a shipping, you know, your label has been printed thing, know that that could still take a week or two before it starts to move. And there's nothing wrong with, uh, this, what's going on there. That's just the way things work. They bulk print all the labels that they're going to pack and it could take them a week or two weeks to pack all those labels, you know, and that's how, uh, it works. And, they say, lastly, um, the street date for the retailers is to come. I hope that they'll turn that around relatively quickly, given that I think it's nearly 800 days since I placed my Poxus pre-order. So uh, I think the retailers, you know, retailers that have skin in the game, maybe lots of skin in the game, would like to start getting these out the door and realize the cash for them. Um, as much as, you know, the people that order direct first have the priority you know, if Big Bad have, I don't know, you know, multiple thousands of dollars invested in it, they'd be very keen to get the, the street data this going, I guess. Um, and they also say, of course, remember, somebody is going to be first and somebody's going to be last. And I think that's something as adults we can all accept for the most part, isn't it? <laughs> you think, Rich? <laughs> Uh, I can accept it. I would imagine there'd be a lot of, it's not fair. Why is it always me that has to wait? I ordered the second you went open. Comments from other people on the cabal. But uh, yeah, being quite happy to wait. It's one of those things. Sure is. And, uh, you know, if you don't get your figures first, and if you don't get them, you know, as quickly as you like, embrace it. Live vicariously through others. I am desperately and Toy Bro enjoy their reviews. Go on to the Kampal, look at all the great photos. Anyway, Rich, yeah? I was going to say, I'm desperately hoping that those uh, smug uh, so-and-sos that felt happy and excited to reveal what was in the Jacob Marley chest, I hope every single one of those is at the end of the shipping list so they can uh, <laughs> they can see everybody else opening things and showing things off and let's see how they like it. <laughs> you're still not bitter about that no not at all no 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 the fact that it mine arrived about the day after that those idiots decided to start showing it is neither here nor there no i don't hold a grudge oh exactly yeah i didn't think so yeah um so that's uh poxus any anything more on that mal what do you think is that fair enough uh, are you have you any concerns there questions uh off mute I will happily wait and just sit there until things show up. It's 
know you're going to get them eventually, don't you? You know, that's yeah. uh, one thing you can guarantee from the horseman is you'll get it eventually. You will indeed, yeah, yeah. They haven't failed me yet. No, we've been in the yeah. game a while, and um, and then if there's any problems, they'll sort them out as well. Exactly. And are we opening Tarnog first if when we get our figures or? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I think it's going to be pox to me. I want to get my hands on that bow mm. and the uh, and the insect arrows coming out. So yeah, it's going to be boxes for me. Yeah, it's very cool. And you know, of course, there could be the odd QC issue here. Or there, I really hope on this one there isn't any kind of perceived or otherwise widespread QC issues because you know, two years plus is a long time and. Generally, people are are less tolerant of uh, the QC issues than when it's been that length of time. They kind of burn out their, what would you say, their goodwill in terms of that. You know, whereas if they get a wave out in six months a year, people can kind of get by with, you know, the odd small thing. Yeah, I think they've got to be particularly careful because obviously... I think a couple of times during the delay, they were like, oh, we want to make sure the product's right. We want to make sure it's right. This is why we're delaying things. So then if it's not right, then yeah, they're going to just open themselves up to all sorts of grief from people. Not me, I want to point out, but other people. (laughs) But fingers crossed, yeah. Because yeah, I don't want to be going through that and I don't want to be podcasting about it, (laughs) to be honest. I want to be wallowing in the joy of these figures. So that's uh, Poxus. Um, We're happy uh, that it's on the way. And uh, we can't wait to get our hands on it. So let's move in to Rising Suns at Retail. So first thing to say is that the bonus head uh, paint color dropped uh, first thing on Monday after the pre-order closed on Sunday night. And we have a blondie dwarf uh, which uh, is interesting. Which means something that'll be heard in a future episode was completely wrong on my behalf. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I was going to cut it out, but I leave it now. <laughs> no, yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, yeah. So, uh, how do we feel about this, Mal? You're you're uh, very keen on this head in general. So, um, yeah, I actually, I think I actually prefer the blonde one to the. Mm. Uh, slightly brown haired one <laughs> um i did i am a bit surprised that they're quite so close in color you know they're quite both quite pale colors i was expecting one to be a darker color maybe and the other a lighter yeah. color but i'm happy with it i'm good with it i guess the brown one is is now the darker one <laughs> yeah yeah exactly in yeah, terms that's of there. It, that's <laughs> yeah um yeah and it's, it's the same eye color i think it's blue both blue eyes so it's pretty much the same character with just different uh, different hair color here. Um, obviously, lots of potential to buy a couple of these. Uh, these are generally going for around the 10 at retailers. Um, yeah. So, you know, you can definitely paint them in a few different uh, schemes. You could even do a little bit of a, you know, a scar across the face or something, you know, get a, as much as you don't want to damage your toys. But, you know, for 10, for 10 bucks on a head, you know, do a little scar, then repainted completely that could be good yeah yeah i mean at that price it's yeah it's feels like you know worth definitely worth picking a couple up doesn't it 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. When you see what, you know, third party heads go for, which is perfectly fine by me, but you know, yeah, uh, runs, but yeah, yeah. yeah, but, uh, yeah, this, this is, uh, there's no question in that this is, uh, no, no bad value in the price. So, um, and Rich, you, you're going to pick up a couple of this guy. Yeah. I like Mal. I prefer the, the blonde Ooh. color to the darker color. So yeah, definitely getting at least one, um, possibly two. We'll see. Yeah, and he's really a dwarf. I don't see, don't see you using him. Maybe a barbarian, although the dwarf heads tend to be slightly oversized. Don't yeah, they when they're yeah, I'm I'm never quite sure about people. I mean, some people make it work, but you see people using even like three uh, third party heads that have been designed as dwarf heads, and then they use them on bigger figures, and you're like, that doesn't quite work. <laughs> yeah, the helmet ones do. Maybe with the beard. Yeah. yeah I think yeah, yeah. more so. Yeah. Yeah, it's a helmet, isn't it? So it could be anything under there. That's right, yeah. Okay, so um the wave dropped on the different retailers. Now we're in Europe, so we're we're gonna have a little focus on there because generally in in the States the prices are much of a muchness. Um so what I'll do first is kind of give the big bad toy store kind of price to kind of benchmark things. Um, and that's in the USA. So, um, there, if you're to buy the all in from big bad toy store, and that now includes the retailer head, which they've put up, uh, to very recently, they put it up a couple of days after they dropped the right wave, uh, would be $795 for everything, including the bonus head. They don't have a special, all in deal or anything like that. Uh, and that would in our, in euros money, at least that would translate to 748 euros. Um, and then shipping, you're talking, I say a minimum of 30, but that's for a couple of figures, but it's probably more like, uh, up to a hundred dollars possibly in shipping there plus customs and taxes. So if you're going to get, yeah, when Sorry. I was going to say, whenever I've done um, Big Bad Toy Store, vaguely recently, it was like £8 a figure, and then it just yeah. went up in multiples of eight. There was no like, oh, you bought three, right, Will? Yeah. So, Ship me in the one box. So, yeah. So if you look at this here, this is 11, 12 items, so uh, you're talking in the hundred. And to be honest, I'm only going to use Big Bad here as the benchmark, uh, kind of for what, you know, if, you're, if you were one of those people in America, this is your kind of benchmark and to see what sort of a deal we're getting on this side of the pond. So I wouldn't order from Big Bad at all because we have, as you're we going to talk about here, we have some great options for this wave in Europe uh, between Germany and the UK. I think we're well covered um, because a lot of the UK ones will ship to different countries in Europe, which we'll talk about now. Um, yeah, so the, the first one, uh, so the first we have four... Um, companies in Germany that I've looked at that have kind of prominent, uh, websites that ship to, uh, different countries in Europe. Uh, the first one is action figure in 24. Okay. They had, they, they've had a change of ownership in the last year. They used to be really slow to ship stuff out. So you would get it a couple of month or two later than everywhere else. This has changed now, I believe with the new ownership. So I'm going to go on that basis. Okay. So they have an all-in deal for 760 euros, okay? And that's free shipping in Germany 
and 15 uh, euros shipping in the in the EU and they don't ship to the UK as far as I could find out from their website. So that's already better than Big Bad because we said Big Bad was 748 or 758, sorry, to uh, to ship or for their all in before shipping. Uh, and you're and you don't have to contend with taxes here with these guys. So if you want to get an all in, that's your first option. Um, 760. That's pretty competitive, I would say. You know, this is. I think we're doing pretty well here already. When you look at that. Um, what do you think, guys? Yeah, I think it's a no brainer if you're in, if you're in the EU. Yeah, with no taxes as well. I mean, that makes all the difference with that sort of stuff. Yeah, so when you look at the the individual figures, um, the standard figures are fifty euros, okay, forty nine ninety nine. But it's, I'm rounding everything here. Uh, the the weapons packs are thirty euros, so compares with thirty dollars in PBTS, uh, so a little bit uh, cheaper conversion wise, but like a dollar or something, um, and. The bear is 130. So compared to 120 dollars, that's a little bit more expensive. And, uh, what else do we have? We have 95 for the dwarf two pack and 69 for scapular two. So there are kind of different price levels. So, um, and if you do the all in, they're, they're all in deal with them. Um, you, that's the only way from them you can get the bonus head. So that's the way they've done it. And, you get a discount of 44 euros on their all in versus buying the individual figures. So that's 70, 760 all in. Uh, the next one, uh, is space figuring again, another German site, very, very, uh, well-known website, very reliable. Um, with space figuring, you definitely have no, uh, issues in relation to the viability of their business or anything like that, they're not going to go out of business in the next uh, year or two when this order is, is going. They're very, I would say, they're the German version of Big Bad Toy, toy Store, kind of. Um, they don't have an all-in deal, so they don't have an all-in discount, and they have the individual figures priced exactly the same as the other one, action figure in 30, uh, 24. So it's 30 for the weapons packs, uh, 50 for the standard figures, 130, uh, 75 for the unicorn and 95 for the two pack. And they have the bonus set at 13 euros. So a little bit more expensive, uh, than the $10 there. So again, if you want a very reliable company, uh, and they ship, uh, for free, uh, over 120 euros to Germany and free for over 200 to 250 to most, uh, European countries, they don't currently ship to the UK. I know they used to, so I don't know what's changed there. I guess Brexit, but I haven't followed it closely. Uh, they are the type of company, though, that if you're in the UK and you want to deal with them, if you sent them a mail, they might be able to do something for you. So just to keep in mind. So that's Space Figure. And all these companies you find under the uh, under the About Us section in the Four Horsemen, the Source Horsemen website under Approved Retailers. So that I don't have to give you every website here. And then the last uh, two in Germany. So I'll take them kind of two together almost, but because uh, they offer better deal uh, on prices. Uh, so they're Figurenlager. Uh, so this is uh, Marcus Altman. Um, that's his company. 
Uh, I have bought from them before. I've never had any problem. Uh, he does, uh, he does great, uh, great business, great uh, packing, everything like that. Very reliable ships on time. So their prices are better. Uh, they're doing, uh, 46 euros for the regular figures. Um, 69 for the unicorn, 110 for the bear. So 110 for the euros for the bear is pretty good. And then the dwarf two pack is 82. Um, the minotaur is 70 as opposed to 75 in the other ones. And scapular two is 59. So as opposed to 70 in the first two. Uh, and you can get the bonus head from figure and lager for 10. And then the mighty underground, um, they do the pricing very similar. Uh, there's a euro here and there difference. So they're 45 for them, for the, um, euros for the, uh, regular figures instead of 46. Uh, they are 81 for the dwarf pack instead of 82. And, uh, they have the bonus head for 10 and they have an all in deal for 714 euros. So when you remember the equivalent euros from big bad was, uh, 758. Uh, you're already locally in Europe getting a better all-in deal and that all-in discount basically gives you the free bonus head. Um, so that's them. Um, they, the, the, so figure and lager ship four euros, uh, over a hundred euros to Germany and 15 euros, um, Oh, up to 300 uh, euros value to the rest of the EU and or certain certain EU countries, 10 over 300 and six over 500. So you can, you know, the shipping is negligible, at, you know, if you put in a big order with them. Um, they don't ship to the UK, according to their website. However, the mighty underground do ship to the UK uh, for 20 euros. So you UK people, that is a, definitely a viable option for you. Uh, at those great prices. So definitely hit up uh, Mighty Underground if you're interested in an alternative to our next one, which is Emporium of Cool. And this is a uh, weird pricing here, guys. <laughs> yeah, you, you uh, kind of highlighted it, didn't you, when you were looking into all this and doing this. And it was like, well, what, what? And as we, as I looked at it the other night, I kind of came back to you, didn't I? Going, yeah, you're right. This is bonkers. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's sort of, yeah, it's, the all in, I would say, is a very good price. And yeah. then the individual figures are all sort of all over the place. Um, some. Yeah, the all-in well, is, is like 155 G, you know, British pounds discount on buying all the individual stuff, which seems bonkers amount of discount. But the price of the individual stuff is way over what it possibly should be based on the equivalent uh, euro prices and dollar yeah. prices. Yeah, I think... I think what Emporium do and um, the other UK reseller, although they're not official ones, props and replicas do the same thing. They just, they go, oh, the um, Four Horsemen have said $50 for a figure, so we'll just charge £50. Yeah. And then the European ones charge €50. Euros. But because the pound is stronger than the other two, 
we yeah. get shafted basically. Yeah, well, what Figurin, Lager, and Might Underground have done is actually just gone for the the fifty dollar equivalent, which is why they're even a bit less than fifty euros. Mm. Uh, they're pretty much when you when you exchange rate them to dollars, it's bang on the fifty dollars for the forty six euros, forty five, forty six euros. So, and the same for all the other figures they have. So, they are really like you know. Anyone kind of crying about having to buy from the States retailer, you don't have to if you live in Europe, for sure. From, you know, those guys, you get exactly the same deal as you go to Big Bad. And safe to say here with all those uh, German retailers, you don't need to pay up front. Um, they can all be, uh, you know, paid for at the time of uh, when they're in stock to be delivered. The same as you do with Big Bad. How is it with Emporium of Cool? You need to pay up front with them or you do but they got two options you can either pay it all in one go or you can do a it's like a layaway plan or something they call it so you pay an initial deposit um which can be as much as, as you like i think they have, they have a minimum on it but it can be as much as you like uh you know and then uh, you can pick between one and six months to pay off the the rest of it so that's what i always do so i always tend to go like 20 percent maybe deposit uh, and then pay the rest over the next six months. So that works really well for me. Yeah. So um, just to just to highlight their individual pricing. So the weapons pack, they have a 27 pounds. So that's not 30 pounds, $30. So it looks like they've thought about it. But it's like that's the equivalent of 33 euros and probably $35. So that's over the odds. Standard figures are fifty pounds, which is actually sixty-one euros, and probably sixty-five-ish dollars or sixty-three, four dollars, which yep. seems way over what what they should be pricing them at, based on especially based on their all-in price. Um, and the same, the, the dwarf bear. two pack is a hundred and uh, sorry, the bear is a hundred and ten, which is a hundred and thirty-four euros. And uh, the the dwarf two pack is eighty five pounds, which is one hundred and four euros equivalent, which is yeah way more than you get. Uh, you know these are eighty one and eighty two from the two German, the last two German ones we talked about. So yeah, I've posted this spreadsheet in our Discord for our patrons. So very interesting for them to look if when they're making their retailer decisions. Um. Yeah, I mean, the last thing to say about Emporium Cool is they're free shipping over fifty pounds, isn't that right? It is, yeah, yeah. So, and they, um, what I would say for UK buyers, depends how important it is for you or not, but they they pack stuff insanely well. Yeah. Yes, like you know, they they pack it like I do when I sell stuff on eBay, and I yeah. overdo the packing, so they they're the same. Yeah, and so my advice for UK collectors: if you're getting an all in. Yeah, Emporium are the best price. It's five fifty uh, sterling with free shipping within the UK, and, and that payment plan, and that's cheaper than any of the euros. That's works out at about six hundred and seventy euros as of today. Um, and you get the payment plan option. Yeah, so you're still paying a little bit upfront, but you know you can pay it over. Uh, was it six months? Yeah, that's the maximum six months. Um, the only thing with the Emporium of Cool All in, did we mention John? Apologies if you did. That doesn't include the two weapons packs. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. So that's what makes it a little bit cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't yeah. want the, yeah, that's also true. Yeah. So that does maybe makes it more equivalent to the mighty underground. Uh, yeah. If you add the two thirties there, then it's probably, <laughs> it's probably still better. If you want the weapons back, go to mighty underground. They have uh, actually a cheaper deal at 714 plus 20 uh, shipping. So, um, yeah, very. Can you see now, John, while I why I get my all in from Emporium, but then I buy so many figures at uh, Legion's Con. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. Um, but you know, hit up Dominic at uh, Mighty Underground. He has, uh, yeah, and you can also get an extra five percent with them uh, with various discount codes. Uh, Nico in our Discord, he was and on the European group, he has a five percent discount code for Mighty Underground. So. Uh, you search his post or he'll send it to you. If you're looking for him, he could hit up Nico Dinkela. He, he can definitely give you that discount code. They actually posted it today in the European cabal as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so very, uh, yeah, it's a no brainer here. So anyone you see in mythic legions UK, that's going, Oh, I have to order off big, bad, blah, blah, blah. You don't, you have an option in Europe there that'll save you on uh, shipping and taxes you know, as it versus your local retailer. So, um, I think that's probably enough of that in terms of the, uh, rising suns retail. I think the prices were broadly as expected. Maybe the bear, uh, dollar wise could have been a 10 less, but also it's awesome. So, you know, I don't blame them. It'll sell is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that bear is going to go at whatever price. The bear was the one thing, actually, I was quite surprised with Emporium McCall. Um, I thought it was going to be 120 and it was, what, 110? Yeah. So that was a bit less than I thought it was going to be, but everything else was in line with what I was expecting. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and I, I don't know, do they, you know, when they, do they order a bit extra stock in Emporium normally or do they kind of order what's pre-ordered? I think so. Yeah, I think, I think they do extra because yeah. there's always a, a few bits and pieces and left. Is it likely I think stuff that might come down more to the exchange rate at the at the time in the future. You know when they're in stock. It's a risk, obviously, but yeah, I mean the the exchange rate generally for the UK for the last twelve months has been relatively stable. Yeah, um, just before that, it was a shit show. Because we had a, an absolute joke of a, a chancellor and prime minister for a couple of weeks, quasi, uh, which destroyed the economy, quasi, quasi. Um, but yeah, but since then it's been fairly stable. So yeah, you, you pretty much know what you're going to be paying for stuff. Okay, well there you go. That's um, ri- uh, the Rising Suns retailer. Hit us up if you have any questions about that. Um, and uh, we've just told you where to get the be- best deals, so you know. Go for it. Thank us later. Yeah, I've, I've already got my all-in ordered with Emporium McCall. So. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I'm about to... I'm going to put in uh, order with Figure and Lager and also with Mighty Underground. Give them I must admit, the Mighty Underground is tempting for a couple of the... Uh, for the dwarves, particularly in Yeah, well, you, can, you know, you can, you can pay later um, with them. They have an option, basically, on their page. It's pay by wire transfer. And that's the option to pay later, but you don't need to pay by wire transfer 
they'll then email you at the time yeah, and the invoice, you can yeah. do yeah. PayPal or whatever, whatever payment method at the time. That's very tempting. So, top tip mm. there. Yeah. Well, there you go, guys. And there you go, retailers. We've uh, given you all a fair crack. You know, we put you all in a spreadsheet. So can't say fair in that. <laughs> it's always good when it's in a spreadsheet, John. It's always good when it's in a spreadsheet. Well, I thought I'd make you proud this week, Rich, you know. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I could see you salivating when I sent that over to you. <laughs> Chicks dig a spreadsheet. Uh, they do. <laughs> Chicks dig a spreadsheet indeed, yeah, apparently. I don't know which chicks, but some chicks do. Most, are they most? Well, when, I, when, I went, when I went through my little spell of putting um, charts up, I think it was Nate Strong that responded with, wow, a chart about the toys you're collecting. Wow, you're, re- you're, you're really a catch there, Rich. <laughs> he says as he takes his little toy photograph and posts it. <laughs> We're all nerds. There's just different ways of being a nerd. That's all. Indeed. You know, even people that are into football are nerds. They're just into football as a nerd, you know? Yeah, agreed. And that's agreed. possibly more socially acceptable uh, in terms of, uh, you know, coolness or not, you know, in the general public. We're obviously cool. You know, we know we're cool. But oh, yeah, some, people, some people might think that we're less cool than them, you know? And I don't know why. Just doesn't make sense to me. Anyone so, that's seen us wearing the Eurolegions t-shirts, John, knows how cool we are. Mm, yeah. yeah even I keep wearing mine in for the office. You. Oh, do you? Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, what's that? It's like, it's the podcast merch. Here we go. <laughs> so which one, uh, as he knocks his mic. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay, we good? Yeah. Uh, which uh, which one then? The white one or the the... the uh, the black the one, the white one, ones, yeah. Uh, yeah. the white ones are sm- a size smaller. So I don't want to upset people by wearing that into the office oh, okay. at the moment. That's a summer. That's a summer goal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We must do. Uh, we have another design for a newer one as well for another one. Um, and we yeah, do. I need to talk to you guys. We we should do that for some of our page or for our patrons. That would be. Uh, I reckon we should. Yeah, and then yeah, that uh, design is even more awesome. I think, if possible. Yeah. And then. Yeah. Uh, also have an option at LegionsCon to sign up for the Patreon and then you get to buy that shirt as well. So there you go. Make you all special. And I'm going to do special edition of the pins for the Patreons. So stick with us, guys. It's all coming. You know. Um, all right. Uh, so we wanted to do a couple of fun questions just to to kind of fill out the back end of this podcast. Um, not not with filler, but, you know, with with interesting, exciting stuff. Um, just a couple of questions. Still thriller, no filler. Yeah, exactly. To for you to get us to know. <laughs> for you to get some music reference not, for anyone. I'm, I'm not sure as anyone could ever say that about a toy collecting podcast. But there we go. <laughs> <laughs> are you not living in denial every day about how cool you are? I've just talked about this. <laughs> I, I did the finger guns to someone today. That's oh, how cool I am. I oh know I'm cool. Yeah. They fainted about your, your coolness. <laughs> yeah, huh? They were they were taken aback, I tell you. They, That's top IT nerd behavior as well. <laughs> Just fixed your windows. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my. 
Alrighty. So, um, and as we're, so firstly, we've started into season two, you know, I hope we are regularly getting new people to the podcast and, you know, it might take time to go back and listen to the back catalog, or maybe you want to just listen to us from, you know, from here on forward. And that's, that's all great. So I thought we would do some fun questions and try to avoid uh, stuff that we've maybe already talked about uh, so that we don't just rehash the, the same old stuff that you might know already about us. Um, so we cover everything. We give new listeners, obviously, new information and we give uh, existing listeners a little bit of uh, fun, extra stuff to know about us. Um, and then next week is episode 50. Uh, it's already recorded a little behind the curtains, which is why we talk about the dwarf head uh, without our knowledge. But it was because we have some guests on that one and we couldn't get them uh, for next week. So we decided to record it uh, a little bit earlier. So, yeah. I can I can I just say as well, if people are going to go through our back catalogue, uh, I highly recommend starting with the episode where I talk about my uh, custom factions. It's, that um, is a good one, though. I, I enjoyed it's that. It's a cracker, if I do say it myself. You didn't enjoy it. You fell asleep while I was talking no, about it. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then cut me off. It was like, yeah, enough. I'm just cutting the podcast now. That was just because <laughs> I knew how long it was going to take me to edit it. So I was like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, he, he was just resting his eyes through it. That was all. <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was when we had slightly worse uh, on the fly solution. So I needed to do more more with the audio you know so um i was always a bit scared uh <laughs> about the workload <laughs> anyway uh yeah but that's a good one i i'd probably recommend anyone who want to go back in the back catalog start with episode six it's the where we start talking about the factions uh, the first five are fine um but you know we there's a lot of kinks that we had to work out one to five be it how we record how everything is set up um and six is where we started to kind of get things really going. And also it's a great intro to Mythic Legions, the factions. And then we go on and talk in the subsequent episodes about all the different characters and uh, the lore and everything. So uh, I think that's the best uh, way to approach the back catalog. And within all that, you will get to Rich's uh, 150 million uh, custom factions as well. <laughs> all of which will be on display partly or fully once the room is sorted out this yeah. weekend so next by the next uh, by episode 51 we'll be talking about your your amazing shelves and dropping pictures in the comments <laughs> there you go yes and if they're not done and amazing then i will be in the middle of a divorce and potentially homeless so um they will definitely be looking good <laughs> well you can come live over here i mean i have a i have a convertible sofa and you know there we go so if the if the ministry there will let you work from home, you know. Ah, uh, yes. Alas, um, the people I work for don't let you take your laptops out of the country. Ah. It's seriously frowned upon. Okay. Uh, one of our employees did it, not in my office, but did it by accident the other week and had their laptop confiscated when they got back to the UK. So you can't connect by, um, you know, through any other machine or, you know. No. Oh, no. Okay. Wow, that's very uh, ancient software, if I must say so myself. That's civil service. Yeah, yeah. I I was working from home. I during COVID, I actually had to use my own computer. <laughs> they didn't even supply us with computers. <laughs> anyway, so 
I thought let's go let's go around the houses with this, yeah. Um, and obviously, uh, if I forget to ask myself the question, you'll have to ask it back. Yeah, we'll, uh, yeah, yeah. we'll prod you. Yeah, don't uh, don't let me be like Pete McCarthy, you know, crying about not being asked the question that he asked. <laughs> so, so some of these are, you know, quite generic and fun, and some of these are more specific. And the first question I have is uh, to Mal, and it's what was your best or favorite subject in school and that can be any era oh. of school then uh, okay, given, so given that uh, you know we we all shun s- at different s- times settling everybody's going to pick three subjects per year <laughs> no, no generally <laughs> there's not a um okay so realistically school i was seen as a nerd and i did all right but actually, my approach to school was get in, get out, <laughs> do the do bare minimum that will get me through, and also not get into trouble so I didn't have to spend any more time there. I was pretty mediocre at like everything. Me, yeah, it was. I just I wasn't interested in school, but I wasn't the bunk off from school because that always seemed like getting in trouble seemed like hassle. You know, I wasn't one of these who, uh, you know, would get in trouble. Like the easy life. Like, stay out of trouble. Exactly. No dramas. Um, so I was pretty mediocre at everything, except uh, except I was terrible at PE and art. Um, <laughs> physical education PE, obviously. Um, the, one, the subject I did do that I enjoyed was when I got to um, A-levels, and that was media studies. Okay. Um, and which was where I started, I guess. I was already interested in film and all that that I've mentioned before, and I would, you know, even as a kid, I was watching foreign films on Channel 4 late at night when I probably should have been asleep. But So that helped me sort of, gave, you know, media studies helped me understand some of that a bit better, and and obviously that's... I should have gone on and probably done film at that age uh, at university level, but, you know... IT was the job to be in, and I was yeah. okay at IT as well. So, yeah. That's... I want a list of these foreign films you watched, Mal. I'd imagine, you know, late night foreign films, a bit smutty maybe? <laughs> no, no. To be fair, it was mostly like um, martial arts stuff. And, uh, ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw a lot of, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think now what anything specific, but no, it would have been a lot of the... Um, Things like um, Jackie Chan and uh, oh yeah, and then going even further back, stuff like um, uh, I'll go blank American Horror Story and that sort of thing. Not American. Uh, I think what was it called? There was a lot of like uh, like Hong Kong cinema, yeah, horror type martial arts stuff that would be on, and that, you know that sort of stuff. And I, I loved horror as well, even at a young well. It's funny because as a little kid, I was terrified of everything, but then sort of developed into watching horror films and I love horror films now and have done since my early teens, I guess. So, wow. Yeah. I'm a complete wuss when it comes to horror films, I'm afraid. I don't know, they fascinate me yeah. <laughs> as much as anything, yeah. So, Rich, yeah, so. school, were you a nerd back uh, then? No, I, I, well, I guess I was and I wasn't. I, you know, I played sport all the way through schools. I represented the school at 
but pretty much every sport. So were you a jock um, then, or was that no? A, because no. the jocks are a holes, yeah, generally. So I don't think I fell in that category either. But I was, you know, yeah, I was. I was like the in between. I was the link between the jocks and the the nerds, maybe. Oh, yeah. so you were cool. Well, oh, I don't know about that, but. <laughs> But I didn't care. I was one of those kids that was just like, nah, yeah. couldn't give a toss what you think about me. Um, so, yeah, so subject-wise, um, primary school, I loved maths. I was a huge maths fan. Gotcha. Um, and then secondary school, within a year of starting secondary school, I suddenly realised that actually I wasn't a particularly fan of maths. I think it was everybody around me were quite good as well, coming from yeah. different schools into one high school, as it were, sort of thing. So yeah. uh, so went off that. But then I found my passion, which is history. Um, oh, yeah. and absolutely loved history and then went on to do it at university studied ancient history at university so the Greeks and the Romans mainly so, so yeah so yeah actually that's a good point back in like prime, primary and whatever junior is it that comes after primary school uh, middle school which I think the Americans call it middle school any one point about ancient Egypt but then it course that uh, as you go up into secondary school you start to do a lot more modern history don't you and I think that just you killed do. me killed yeah. my interest Absolutely. yeah no I I had the the interest again like you it was all sort of like Henry VIII and all this sort of stuff and even slightly more modern stuff again which I wasn't interested in at all but I had like the out of school interest in like Egypt and Rome and this sort of stuff and I used to read books on it and that sort of stuff um, so when it came to deciding what I was going to do at degree level, um, I wanted to actually be an archaeologist. Um, that was that was my passion at that point sort of thing. So um, I signed up for a joint degree, archaeology and ancient history. Wow, um, very nice. Give myself, give myself a little bit of wiggle room in case it went wrong. Um, ended up having to take a third module in the first year in university, which was for some unknown reason I took modern history, which was, oh God, if anyone ever talks about the fascist italian period of the early 20th century i'll just punch him in the face because that yeah. was just so annoying um yeah then hated the way they taught archaeology in the university i really hated it um the final straw was in the in the summer holidays at the end of the first year they sent you on a, a dig so somewhere in the uk for a week to get some experience and that sort of stuff having done no practical stuff throughout the year otherwise uh, and they allocated me to a dig on anglesey which is where i live Oh, cool. Or lived at that point. And I was like, yeah, that confirms this is just not meant to be. Everyone else is getting sent off to cool parts of the UK. Oh, okay. You wanted to go somewhere. Uh, yeah, you yeah, wanted no. to go somewhere cool. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, Anglesey so is cool, but not when you're from there, I suppose. Oh, yeah. So uh, so I just switched to just an ancient history degree um, and got that. And I, I still love that period in history. So did your desire to be an archaeologist start out wanting to be Indiana Jones? No. No, it didn't okay. actually. No, I just, I, it was very much from a sort of paleont- paleontology sort of side of things. Right. Um, oh, and before sense. Jurassic Park. Um, but they don't have much of that in the UK. It's uh, That's a very niche field. Um, so it was just general archaeology that I was more interested in. I I was very tempted. Um, Bangor University, so Bangor's the, the biggest town next to Anglesey. Mm. A lot of um, Irish go there to uni if they don't go in Ireland. Uh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and they had an underwater archaeology degree. Oh, well. <laughs> which, if it had been anywhere other than the university next to where I was living, I think I might have done. Yeah. Um, yeah would... And then my life would be very different, and I probably wouldn't be on this podcast or, you know, anything like that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, would you be podcasting from a submarine, so. wouldn't you? 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, a proper one, not one made from like PlayStation bits. <laughs> oh, those poor it's people. Probably not funny. Those that, poor is it? people. So, yeah. No, yeah. but you know, it, it is a point. Like, I mean, what were they at? Um, yeah, what were you thinking? Yeah. yeah so sad. Um, right. You, yeah. I, I have to say about the history. I. I we had to pick four additional subjects for the final two years of school, which is equivalent to your A-levels. So you have to do English, Irish and maths when you're in Ireland. They're the three core subjects and you have to do seven for the final exam, which is called the leaving certificate. And uh, so foreign language. So I did German and then I think I did two business subjects because that's what I was into, which is incidentally then favorite subject was business studies, basically in school. Uh because I had a really good teacher, I think, you know, to be honest. And, uh, it, yeah, it was interesting too. Um, and then the other kind of choice history was probably the only subject cause I, well, I'd kind of dropped science stupidly early in my second level career. Uh, and there was like physics and, and somewhat something else. And then it was like history and I thought, oh, history, won't history and geography. And I thought, ah, oh, history be more interesting. I thought, and then, yeah, it was all history from 1870 on. So yeah, it was, it was a dose. It was like, now I have to say today, if, if there was a good podcast about, uh, you know, some sort of history from the early 1900s or, or, you know, even the, you know, the wars or Vietnam or JFK or something, I'd be interested in listening to it because, you know, for more from a kind of, you know, general knowledge, education point of view. And if it was well done. At that age, you know, 16, 17 year old kid, <laughs> it was like, no, this is awful boring crap. You know, yeah. you might as well be studying politics here, you know? Uh, yeah, so which is why. So I totally just did my usual thing when, when I'm not passionate about something, I just do the minimum to get past and that's it. You know, Mal recognizes that very, uh, there's so many people like us, Mal, it's crazy, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I always said, I wish I wasn't so mediocre at everything. I, I get to a certain good yeah. level at stuff and then I just flatten off. Uh, I don't know what it is in my personality. It's funny. I often try and push myself past it and then just doesn't work. Yeah. But the enjoyment goes and you yeah. just stay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, It's not a lack of yeah. ability. It's a lack of something else. Yeah, It's a weird one. <laughs> But uh, if you could finish paint, painting that stuff for me, John, before you give up on the painting, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great. No, that's I, I'm past the point on that. Thankfully, thankfully, um, and I also still really enjoy it, so that's all good. But uh, yeah, and then I liked maths in primary school, so like you know, under twelve, um, and actually I went back to university because I did stupidly. I chose computer science on the advice of my family and my brother particularly because he was in that, he was working in that area to go to university uh, in 96 when I left school. And then I hated it <laughs> and I quit halfway through. Uh, but then I stood, but then the Irish economy started to boom and there was jobs everywhere and I got an IT job and I hated that, but I did it for a number of years. And then I got brave and I went back to college um, at 25 because it was free to go back to college, but obviously then you would have no money because you're not working. Um, and I did a business degree and everything was better after that. Yeah. So I should have done that in the first place. No, that's still not the most exciting. Like I was good at art in school, but I dropped it for the final exams because 
basically the option, it was like I had to choose, it was in the same option as accountancy. And I knew accountancy was going to be an easy, good mark for me. And I liked it. So, <laughs> so it was a bit the school. Uh, so it's a shame. But I used to, I used to be really into drawing kind of caricatures and cartoons in art. And the art teacher was kind of okay. encouraging that. But um, yeah, but I have to say, I've never really drawn on paper since. And uh would be something I'd, I'd love to get into digital drawing. But I think that's just another thing that requires a bit like digital sculpting. There's a number of hours I need to put into that. And with everything, you have to go, is it worth it? You know, I would need to be, I'd need to be divorced and, you know, have my kids taken away <laughs> to have the time for that. And I definitely don't want that, you know? <laughs> you know, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I was. But yeah, I think interestingly to hear from you, Mal, as well, that, you know, we're both kind of just do what we need to do. And then pull the plug. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do uh, more fun stuff. <laughs> My whole school life, I, you know, I didn't want anything to do the extracurricular. It's funny. I look back now, and I kind of wish I'd done some extracurricular activities, and you know, I'd gotten a bit more involved in that side of it, <laughs> the education side of it. You know, <laughs> where does that get you in life? <laughs> um, yeah. But you know. <clears throat> all of my interests and things that would be awesome to make money at now probably would have benefited from me doing a lot of extracurricular stuff. Um, you live and you learn though, don't you? you know, yes. But on the other hand, maybe you wouldn't, you'd be fed up with them by now, you know? It's difficult to know, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. It's unless it, yeah. And also it was a different, we, you do, uh, this is where we have to show our age a bit. It was a different time, wasn't it? Yeah. Now with the proliferation of the internet, everyone pretty much knows anyone can do anything they want. If you can, well, if you've got a certain amount of ability, well, when I see what, got any ability, know, but <laughs> my kids can do in Minecraft <laughs> without any instructions, yeah. no manual. Yeah. No, they watch when they're when they get their youtube time or their you know their ipad time they watch minecraft videos a lot on youtube yeah. kids and they can build all the weapons all the swords all the special things they and they it's like ninja stuff i <laughs> i'm looking at it going whoa you know so i see that they can do stuff <laughs> you know just they just okay. need to be interested you know this is and it and it will teach them things if you think, oh, totally, you know, I think yeah. back to to like well um you know th interests I've had I've learned other things through the interests I've had in life yeah um so it it's all learning yeah but it's even like uh, you know I've learned about audio production through this podcast and mm. I think from a year ago when we started. It's like things I take for granted now. I didn't have an, like, I didn't even know existed a year ago. And now I'm like, that's the most obvious thing in the world, you know, be it whatever. So, <laughs> and then you wonder, how much do I know about this? And you need to talk to somebody that knows nothing about it. And then you go, ah, oh, I know a lot. But if you're benchmarking yourself always off yourself, you're acquiring the knowledge and you're not realizing that you used to be the guy that, you know, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like mm -hmm. I wonder what would it be like without back pain <laughs> as a forty-four year old, and 
I don't remember. I know one. I know at some stage I didn't have back pain, but I can't remember what that was like. Yeah, yeah, I'd feel you there. Yeah, yeah. I think we all we all can relate to that. Right, a slightly quicker one. Hopefully, um, favorite food as a kid. This is an interesting one. Do you want me to start? Yeah, go for it. Um, yeah, go for it. I, well, for, first to say, I went through like my mother cooked great food and always had uh, warm dinners at lunchtime uh, and I used to come home from like primary school uh, we only had half an hour but I'd get a hot dinner and go on I went through a phase where I would only eat dinner if they had baked beans on it at some point which is <laughs> like when I think of it as an adult I'm like I'd be floating around the house now if I had baked beans on everything <laughs> but, but yeah she could give me like literally anything the healthiest food in the world as long as it had a bit of baked beans on top it was gone so you know good for nutrition wise you know could get um but my favorite treat back then uh in terms of, I mean desperate sweet tooth so I could say any chocolate bars and that's boring was bird's eye southern fried crispy chicken it was a thing in the early 90s uh and it went for a couple of years and if you get the vert there's still a version of it out there today it's not the same this was the early 90s version it was kind of a little bit cheeky on the spicy front if like for a kid of you know 12 13 years of age but it was really good it was you know Two of them done in the oven for 20 minutes with a little portion of beans on the side. Oof, you know, watching your favorite show in the evening or, you know, something like that after doing your homework. This was a mega treat for me. Yeah. Yeah, I remember those. I used to really like those yeah. as well, John. Yeah, yeah. 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 I remember them. I, I actually looked them up then just to make sure I wasn't, you know, you often wonder, am I misremembering? And I actually found an ad for them. <laughs> and I was like, ah. funny, th- funny thing is fried chicken like that is is probably amongst my favourites now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't yeah. remember them. And it's probably kid. nothing like the real uh, Southern Fried Chicken, you know, Jade. Yeah. So don't, <laughs> you know, uh, we're still coming to try your Southern Fried Chicken, that's for sure. Um, uh, and actually the ad was I probably was very, uh, yeah, oh yeah, that's true. Um, actually the ad was probably very inappropriate these days because it had a lot of colonials with the, with the flag and, uh, what's oh, that? Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ah, the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the 90s. It, was, it was 1990. So, um, yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. I won't share that ad uh, too much around, but it is on YouTube. Bird's Eye, Southern Fried Chicken, 1990. Look it up. Uh, you'll see what I mean. You boys, Mal, got rich, rich. I was an extremely fussy eater as a kid. Mm. Pete McCarthy, um, job. Yeah, like really. Yeah, basically. So my favorite food is chips. Um, <laughs> not anymore, but it was at that point. It was. It was basically anything with chips. Um, the, the worst day of the and week. Did you have a chipper a, at home? Like a like a a, a proper deep fat fryer at home? A proper chip pattern. Yeah, my mum yeah. still got one. Oh, right. Cool. <laughs> Fire hazard that they are. Hmm. We um, only had oven chips at home, so it was not safe. Oh, no, we never had oven chips. Um, they, they were always done in the in the fryer. Um, but no, my worst, like well, when I was growing up, Thursday was just hell on earth because it was every Thursday was boiled potatoes, which are an abomination and should be just got rid of. Ah, if, you've good, um, if you've good potatoes, it's I agree to an extent, but if you have good potatoes... They're still John, good. careful where you're going here as an Irishman. You don't want to, you know, <laughs> come across as a uh, stereotype there. <laughs> um, 
with either a pork chop or a lamb chop, neither of which I like. Uh, so that was just, and that was every Thursday. I used to hate Thursdays. Um, whereas now I'll eat pretty much anything. The, the change has been quite remarkable. The one it's thing amazing, I used to really it? enjoy, the one thing that vaguely like different was, um, I don't know if the America, if they have it in America or even in Europe, but there's a brand of cooking sauce called Home Pride. Okay. Um, and they did a Home Pride Creole sauce, mm. um, which wasn't particularly spicy, but was like gorgeous. Like I lived on that in university. Oh, well. Couldn't cook much, but I, I lived on that. And then it just they, reminded me of something else to add to mine. <laughs> and, and then the absolute MFs stopped doing it uh, just as I finished university. So that was 96. Ah, okay. uh, and they stopped making it. And still to this day, I, you know, if I'm in a supermarket, I just have a quick furtive glance at the home pride. Like, no, it's not there. <laughs> well, the beauty is when you learn how to cook is, you know, if you do get these sauces, you can add things to them, like a chili, for example. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. I guess we all do that these days. Um, Mal. What you got for us? Settling, folks. I'm a fat kid. And I was forever be a fat kid. I always was a fat kid. And there's nothing I can do about it. So I'm going to start by saying I was very lucky. I had two parents who could cook. And they're very good cooks. Um, I think they're very good cooks. I'm sure other people would if they tried their food as well. So I grew up very lucky in that Sunday roasts were always amazing or, well, to me, they were always amazing. I was a bit more picky back then with what veg I liked, but I was also quite lucky with that. My parent from a young age, I ate steamed vegetables. Oh, wow. Super are handy. The only way to do veg, in my opinion, you're so full of flavor, but I don't like al dente as a result. So, um, See, I was, but, I was so fussy when I was a kid. I didn't have vegetables with, with my Sunday roast until I was an adult. Wow. <laughs> I, just, I just used to refuse. It was it was literally roast potatoes, gravy, and the meat, and that was it until I was for in me, my adulthood, and then I finally started me, eating vegetables with it. For me, it would have been steamed, pota- steamed potatoes, uh, carrots, and uh, like parsnip and oh, uh, yeah. swede, but mm. I wouldn't have had anything like cabbage. Well, now I love cabbage. Mm. I think it's amazing, and sprouts. I love sprouts. Mm. Um so yeah, so there was that. <laughs> but then if you get into the sort of the reason I was a fat kid. Um oh no, the, one of the things my mum used to make, she hasn't made it for a very long time, and this has reminded me I need to perhaps give her a poke, is a thing called fridge cake, which was basically digestive biscuits broken up and just chocolate <laughs> well, chocolate icing and chocolate poured into a mm. tray Oof. and then stuck in the fridge <laughs> and it's Wow. Oh, that's the most epic. amazing thing on the planet. It, so it's epic. really good. I I do want. I haven't done it for ages, but I do one of those. Yeah, where it's like <sighs> digestive biscuits and dark chocolate mixed together as a base, yeah. and then milk chocolate and raisins in the middle, and then a layer of white chocolate on top. Oh, it's that's, like that's, that's heart attack time, but it's oh, yeah. so tasty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that so that's like the sort of the comfort things, you know, the the yeah. sort of stuff that sticks in my mind. Then the stuff that I probably ate more regularly, I remember a lot of burgers, burgers, chips, and, and you know, so I must have liked burgers as a kid. And then something just as we were starting to do this that came to mind and you mentioned, I can't remember what was mentioned, but do you remember Finder's Crispy Pancakes? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The one with the mincemeat in it? Or? All sorts. You could oh, get you chicken, get ham and cheese. Yeah. yeah, ham and cheese, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember oh, yeah. they were a, a comfort food. They were uh, great in university, college, as uh, as you know, in from the pub. 
I used to think I probably them. stopped eating them by then, yeah. but yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, they were tasty. Um, yeah, and I mean, that they're, they're burgers and Finder's crispy pancakes are sort of the things I remember outside of, yeah. you know, right. the things my parents cooked. The pudding that I, speaking about puddings and that sort of stuff, yeah. is on sweet tooths. The one pudding I vividly remember as a child is an Arctic roll. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which is the sponge roll with the yeah. jam and then yeah. ice cream in the middle. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Mm. We used to have that so much. <laughs> well, Vionetta, Wolves Vionetta. Oh, that oh, was a Sunday. That as a kid if as we well. had that yeah. at a if Sunday, you, you knew that things were going well in the family if that turned up on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah. We were very middle class, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there was there was Vianetta and there was another one called was it Romantica? Or Romantica like that? that came oh, a bit later. That, that was like yeah. early nineties. You know, Vianetta was in the eighties, but Romantica was in the nineties. Yeah, and that was a circular one, wasn't it? An ice cream cake, yeah, kind of circular. And I don't was, remember that one. Yeah, that was kind of uh, that was a level up from Vianetta. Even yeah, it was slightly posher than the Vianettas, but uh, Vianetta was lovely. Yeah. Oh, wow. Actually, one thing I've learned these days, and especially with, with my kids, like I'm, I'm lucky, whatever way it's worked out, they eat pretty much everything. I mean, like anyone, they have stuff they don't like, but like, you know, they'll stuff their face with salad. They'll eat, you know, all the kind of strange stuff that like I wouldn't have eaten as a kid. Um, and they love their sweet tooth as well. So don't, don't get me wrong, you know, <laughs> but, um, I think some of that is, we tend to make stuff that's just in season. So like, for example, this week I saw strawberries in the supermarket for a small portion was like 12 euros something because it's not the time for strawberries. Strawberries come in June and July, this part of the world. Uh, and you get them for a fiver, the same thing. So these are coming from some other part of the world. And when you taste them, they are like nothing they taste of nothing and they're kind of half white at the top so yeah i think we just tend to follow what's in season um you know not to a kind of hippie farmer's market extent but you know uh, and then it just uh, automatically tastes better it's like if you just cook (laughs) cook it pretty simply but it's but it's kind of fresh or you know it it actually tastes how it should do you know um so i think that's kind of how it works out, you know, whereas, you know, you're giving your, I see parents giving their kids like blueberries, uh, you know, in, in whatever time of the year, the blueberries don't come out. Of course they taste disgusting. I wouldn't eat them. So why would a kid eat them? You know? Mm. Anyway. I actually quite like uh, berries and that, but you're right. I yeah. Mean, they, it has uh, to be the right for me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like my, you know, my wife is always, uh, my daughter's like oh i want this fruit and she's like well you have to wait till then and it's like oh i don't want it and it's like, yeah but you know it's not going to be nice okay <laughs> yeah uh right so tell us one of your favorite childhood memories so this is a broad broad one who wants to go with that rich you got anything for us or you look like the wheel is turning uh, there yeah it is i've been struggling with this one all day mal you go I'll, um, I'll keep a bit. <laughs> as I say, I've got a terrible memory for stuff like this. I think it made <laughs> Curtis and Jesse think I, I was an abused child or something, which I wasn't. I was really, you know, spoiled. But you had I think it too alcohol good. Ru- yeah, I think alcohol's ruined my mind as well over the years. I don't remember. I tend to remember like lots of not the best incidents. Um, the best thing I can think of, and it, I was more of a teenager late 
mid to late teens. No. Mm. Mid to late. It was getting the first time and we went to Florida and my parents surprising us that we were going. Um, it was, you know, one of well, those things that you'd always class. wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it was one of those things, you know, we'd always wanted to do, my sister and I had, again, partly because my sister was interested in film and all that as well. So um, we're going to Florida and it's like, oh, my God. (laughs) And it was an awesome trip. It's somewhere, you know, I definitely would like to go back to, which, again, kind of started to touch on one of the questions from later as well. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, I think that's probably my... Cool. You know, uh, the one that really sticks. Well, for me, um, this is a kind of a weird one, but, uh, and I don't remember how this came about, right? But um, you remember the game Sabutio? So it's this uh, table football yes. where you flick the little figures, you know? So I was big into that around between 10 and 12, 13 years of age. Um, and I think back in the day, there used to be like a magazine and stuff that you could get, or, you know, whatever. And I wrote off to this magazine and there was some club in Ireland, you know, that had uh, uh, kind of Sabutio kind of club or whatever. And I wrote off to kind of join it and, you know, I got a letter back and blah, blah, blah. The next thing I remember, and obviously there's much more detail at the time, but I can't remember it, is that the guy that kind of was the head of Sabutio in Ireland was in my house. <laughs> On my kind of, I I had built a table or my dad had helped me build a table on a big piece of wood, you know, kind of really nicely kind of done or whatever, uh, with a, with a couple of guys from like Italy and different places because the Sabutio World Cup was on in Dublin and, uh, they came down to my dining room to play a game and to kind of play with me and my mate who was also into it and, uh, and, you know, they had lunch with us and whatever. And then we went like the, at the weekend up to, to see the thing. But yeah, when I think about it back about it now, it's just completely mental. Like it was, <laughs> you know, and I learned so much of it. Like they, they played a completely different game. Well, we didn't really know how to play it properly until, till they came. Like they used furniture polish on the underside of the little men, you know, so that they slid along the thing better and all this kind of stuff. And, when they started playing it, it was like just a total like ninja stuff. And we were like, holy <laughs> crap. So it's total. And this was really kind of the days before the internet when you just would have no way of finding out anything about that. You could, for any sort of game like that today, look up on the internet. How do you play it? How does it work? How do the best guys do it? Back then it was like nothing, you know, you just, and uh, yeah, I remember going to that. I mean, I guess my interest dropped off a year or two later, you know, and kind of like moved on. But uh, that was, and I'd love to remember exactly how it came about. And I guess my parents were involved somehow. But uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> was kind of crazy. That's amazing. Yeah, That is very, very <laughs> cool. That is a very cool one. Rich, you got anywhere yet? Mine's mine's not nearly as exciting, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a nice memory. And I think it's, it's a memory of that time in history sort of thing. Um, it was New Year's Eve. I was about 13, probably. Um, and we used to go to like people's houses. It's and on that the 60s, well. Abbey Road had just been released. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. 
to derail um, your story. I mean, we weren't doing anything. Um, and we were just planning a quiet evening. And then I can't remember with my mum and my dad. One of them just went, let's just invite people around. Oh, so wow. literally going around knocking on all the neighbours' doors, going, do you want to come over to our place? Have a few drinks, get some food out. And it, yeah, it just ended up with half the neighbourhood around sort of thing. And it was just, it was just really nice. Yeah. It was like, you know, some of my friends descended and... It's the sort of thing that just doesn't happen nowadays. You wouldn't go knocking on the neighbors' doors going, Hey, come around to our house for a party. Um, but there was more of a community thing in those days, and that was yeah. just that that was a really nice evening and that stuck with me. That's cool. I mean, that's kind of I mean, this is the myth the myth of Legions Con, because it is literally a bunch of like if you called around to all the right neighbors to get them to a place for the evening to have a party, you'd get a kind of equivalent vibe to Legions Con, you know? where everyone is just kind of friendly into the same kind of thing and having a great time. <laughs> so, but it is that kind of, I, I love that kind of community stuff. You know, I'm always trying to push it here, you know, because they are a little bit more, uh, um, how would you say kind of closed, you know, for want of a better word, obviously everyone is kind of friendly and nice, but, uh, there isn't as much kind of knocking. It's very arranged, yeah. you know, no, wh- where we live now, we live in a, in a crescent, um, and then there's a road that goes from the like, middle of the crescent straight down. And then there's another straight road that runs along the bottom of the crescent. So there's three roads yeah. next to each other. And just after we so the, we moved in in the winter and the first summer, they were doing like um, some sort of, they were celebrating, I can't remember what it was, but celebrating something. And they were doing like a little street party sort of thing, you know, homemade cakes and all this sort of stuff. And so we went down. We we're like, okay, we'll go down and see what's going on sort of thing. And, and somebody started chatting to us and they were like, oh, um, where do you live? And we're like, oh, we live on Leap Valley Crescent. And they were like, oh, you're one of them. And just walked off. <laughs> and it was just like, okay, What's so there's that? a road like, war you... here then. Even though the roads are all joined, there's actually like turf war. Okay, there we go then. So <laughs> is that good or bad? Like, are you just too posh or are you too criminal? Or are you too... Uh... Our road is the, the poshest of the three, I'd say. Um, but, I, you know, we're normal, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just, it was just really weird. Me and Kerry looked at each other and just went like, they just said that, didn't they? Okay, right. Wow. There we go. <laughs> Is it because you still have a royal family that there's still a kind of class thing in, in the UK? Or No, I don't think there's a class thing. I think there's no? just some some people that just think they're better than other people. Ah, okay. People with um, notions. Yeah. That's what we call them in Ireland. Yeah. People with notions. Well, that's absolutely... A complete and utter disgrace in my book. Yeah. And they're lost. I mean, don't get me wrong. I did buy a couple of cakes from them and they were very nice, but yeah. I was furious while yeah, I was eating Absolutely. Them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is so good, uh, but it makes me so mad. And yeah, bollocks to a lot of you. I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking your cake and I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> right. Question four of 10, just so you know where you are in the, in the process here. Well, actually 11, because we have a bonus question. Um, What's your biggest phobia? And I'll say straight away, spiders, hate them. Ugh. Love Australia, but that would be my one struggle with Australia, is the damn spiders. I'll, I'm getting better as I have kids because I've had to kind of sort the spider situation a few times and I can't show any weakness. But, <laughs> you know, left alone, if I saw a spider in my bed now or something, I'd, I'd freak out. So you're saying then, John, if the kid, if you need to get rid of a spider for the kids, you will, but then you'll just, you'll just go and sit in a corner and rock for half an hour afterwards. Yeah, I'll have to, yeah. well, I'll have to come down and grab a bottle of my favourite alcohol and 
give it a, a swig. <laughs> I'm, I'm racking my brain about this one. I really can't. I mean, there's things I'd prefer not to do, or not to happen, but I can't think of anything I'd describe as a phobia. You know, I'm not not scared of the dark. I'm not worried about insects like that, you know. Okay, so you're just um, well aired. So you're not scared of heights or anything? Or? No, no. I mean, okay. don't get me wrong. If if I stand on the edge no, of a high cliff, no, that's not a phobia. That's not a phobia. No, phobia is really. That's it. Yeah, I don't really get. Okay. I don't have that irrational Mar- fear Mar- of anything. Without phobias, there you go. There's some news for I you guys. Used, I used to be when I was a kid. I was I was probably scared of the dark as oh, well. But I'm what scared of what? Oh, What's like that? it. What? Decisions. I you're making a quick decision. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's absolutely something that you're terrified of. Maybe he's just, yeah, he's a phobia of being wrong. So that, therefore he has to always kind of question himself about what he's saying. Yeah. Phobia of not being liked, I wish. Uh, these days I'm like, I couldn't care less. <laughs> phobia of the ladies. Come on, Mel. Oh, well, that, that might be it. That might be why I keep... Uh, be making such terrible decisions oh, and come on uh, mal mal is literally things. a catch ladies come on you know yeah because this is the audience for right? <laughs> maybe somebody that listens to us knows a lady. massive female audience that we've got <laughs> i could still pretend no rich what are you scared of um i'm not a huge fan of heights but it's okay. not a phobia. I mean, okay. I'll walk across a bridge sort yeah. of thing without being too worried. But you put me on the edge of a cliff, I'll be like, you know. <sighs> I think um, I'm the same. Yeah, I wouldn't, I, I could face it. I've gone to a lot of high, like, buildings on tourist trips or whatever, and I manage mm. it, but I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, if there's a safety rail there, I'm fine. Yeah. Whereas my good lady wife would be just pinned up against the back wall screaming. Oh, okay, no, I'm not, to get I'm to get not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing randomly and it's not something i need to worry about particularly in this country but i really don't like snakes okay like, i really don't like snakes Despite to the point the where fact um, that you like snake figures yeah ironically and i've touched the snake in the past at a zoo I've, I've, I've managed that but if we don't have many snakes in the uk we only have three different types um only one of which is venomous uh, and then it's like a bee sting um but if i saw a snake in the garden i would poo myself i think it's fair to say um, <laughs> Because <laughs> we've 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 wilded the bottom of our garden now, so there's a pond and we've yeah. got loads of wildlife and all this sort of stuff. Uh, and my wife was just like, "Oh, we've got frogs in the pond. That's brilliant. That might draw some grass snakes in." And I was like, "I am digging up the pond now. It's <laughs> <laughs> just getting filled in." <laughs> so hopefully, we never have a grass snake in the garden because they get to like four, five feet long. That, oh, yeah, okay, no, and finish. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too happy with that either. To be yeah, honest. that would finish me. Yeah, <laughs> even though they're harmless. Oh, no, no, I would appreciate <laughs> the text message the next day when you've survived the whole ordeal to kind of recount it and have a laugh. That would be funny, but yeah. <laughs> See, I find snakes and things like that and lizards uh, fascinating. So yeah, that doesn't bother me, that sort of thing. Lizards I'm fine with. Oh, look, it's look. something about snakes. It's just like... <laughs> hmm. Right, there's a mission for the listeners. Find Mal's phobia, you know. Anytime you meet Mal, try and just put something scary in front of him. Please do Legion's going to be queuing up. Mal, you scared of this? No. Yeah, yeah we got one. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're it's scared the, of the uh, purple gang bingo. gang. Yeah. <laughs> They're quite scary. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got purple gang gang going through my head. All the- <laughs> purple gang gang. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're two lovely fellas, but they are awesome. definitely off the it's wall. It's so funny. Yeah. It's so funny. Uh, all right. Um, what was your first trip abroad that you can remember? And tell us a little bit about it. So, Mal, I think you've you've I can go. Yeah, you've can, kind I've of got mine mentioned right this already, maybe, or you've kind of no, no, that no, wasn't no, the no, one first. No, my first trip abroad was with school. Um, we didn't do a lot of trips with my family until the Florida ones. There. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first trip abroad was with, with school. I, I think it was junior school. What's junior school? What age group is that? Uh, oh, no, you're asking. Uh, so primary school is five to... Oh, did you have five. infant junior and then secondary school, Mal, in your area? Yeah, yeah. So infant would be up to seven and then it'd be like seven to Eight. 11. Okay, yeah, so the second and primary school. Okay, all right. And then 11 onwards is secondary, yeah. That sounds about, well, yeah, of course Richard know, wouldn't he? <laughs> I, I work in the education sector, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it was with junior school um, and we went to Brittany. <laughs> um, oh, that is a lovely spot though, I have to say. I'm sure it is, but when we went, it was wet uh, and yeah. cold. It is. It does get a bit of Irish weather there, yeah. And grey. Mm. Uh, the place we stayed was the same. It was cold and grey, yeah. and it had the French pillows that were the most uncomfortable thing <laughs> on, in, on the planet. Um, if anyone Quoi? doesn't know, <laughs> yeah. Quoi, if anyone no, doesn't know, no, no, he's no, listening. They're basically hard, round yeah. no. things. <laughs> I'm not sure no, they're even... They're comfortable, sir. Fab- Sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you've, been in the, you've been on the continent too long. No, that's how, I'm just doing the impression of how, how the customer service oh, works no, in France. No, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, sir. No, you do, just don't understand the pillow. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it. Oh, stupid Englishman. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Oh, oh. Um, I do remember the food was nice. I do remember the food is nice. Yeah. Nice. yeah, yeah. We had like chicken. I think that was one of the first times I'd like chicken chasseur, if Ooh, I remember right. Gosh, um, nice. Yeah, there was an opportunity to try mussels. I didn't though. I was a bit like mm, not at the yeah. yeah. Um, places we visited, we went to Mont Saint Michel, which mm. is um, basically it's uh, a city that's. On a mountain, isn't it? I don't know yeah. how else to yeah, describe it's kind of it. High, and, yeah. it. And it's sort of the the streets kind of go yeah, around, kind of wind around the mountain. Yeah. Very medieval. Yeah, um, yeah, it is very medieval. That whole place. Yeah, yeah. Britain. Um, yeah. I remember finding that absolutely fascinating. And the yeah. day we went there, funnily enough, yeah. we had a nice day. Um, and that was the first time I ever saw a live lobster in um in a case and it was <laughs> right in the front window of one of the shops there yeah um and i, I didn't I, you know you're like oh okay i wasn't i wasn't like oh my god they can't do that to the lobster at the time i was just like oh okay that's something different and new but yeah that's that was my first trip abroad ever was uh, that oh funny story <laughs> we're here for those so we arrived back my dad and I still laugh about this. We arrived back uh, late, like, you know, you're talking midnight, our time. Stood outside the school. So my parents' house 
is was is and was a two minute walk from the school. I used to walk myself to school, you know, from a very young age because it was so close and society was very different in terms of all oh, strangers will kidnap you at the, you know, um, so <laughs> Eddie Mal, don't don't give Donald Trump any re- any more rhetoric for his campaign. UK <laughs> oh. get kidnapped on the streets. Well, I I'm not so sure. You know, I think it's just yeah the way people think these days, isn't it? Um, but yeah, so I was so stood there with teachers, everyone else's parents were turning up, picking them up. Time's ticking on. <laughs> then in the distance, <laughs> down the road. Some guy sort of wanders across the road to the other side of the road from where we were, and it was a bit of a stagger. And you're like, "Oh no, please don't, please don't be him, please don't be him." <laughs> and then staggers. I mean, you know, I say stagger. It was didn't look the most stable on his feet back across. And then he's and it's a port because, of course, it goes back, so you can't really see around the corner, which is why said thing had happened i'm kind of spoiling it here but but everyone's gone it's been like an hour since we've been back and i've stood there with one of my teachers who bless her stayed behind and waited with me i forget her name but it was one of the female teachers and then wouldn't you know it as soon as you could make out who it was it was my dad (laughs) (laughs) having been the last parent to arrive despite living the nearest the stagger across the road wasn't like drunkenness if anything it was just a bit tired and he'd done that because he couldn't see if the coach was there and because he'd staggered it couldn't see it from across the road assumed the coach wasn't there and he was really early but it's still oh. one of the one of those moments in your life you're like oh <laughs> it sums my dad up beautifully <laughs> is he a bit laid back um not laid back uh in fact he's anything but laid back he's just error prone let's put it that way (laughs) (laughs) and it's just yeah one of those moments that you still think about and you're still like i still cringe (laughs) 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 yeah so So that was my first trip (laughs) uni didn't send you sent you back to anglesey but uh where did you go first so my first foreign holiday was uh to portugal Oh, nice. Um, yeah, we'd always just done caravan holidays in the UK, which were horrific. <laughs> um, so, and then out of the blue, my parents just said, Let, let's, let's, us and some neighbours, we're all going to go, like three families worth, we're going to go to Portugal on holiday. Like, wow. So, so what age were you then? On, uh, it was, we literally, we flew on my actual 13th birthday. Oh, cool. Uh, so we flew out on my birthday. Um, yeah, and it was, um, it was, it was a sign of the time, so that would have been 1987. Um, and I just remember my mum packing, the, as well as clothes, filling the suitcases because it was self-catered accommodation with sausages and bacon <laughs> and things that we might want to eat for breakfast when we were there. Can you imagine that nowadays? They're turning up at a foreign <laughs> airport and you've got a bag full of meat. It'd be just like, nope. No, sorry, madam. Yeah, whereas, yeah, literally just like half a pig was inside this suit inside one of the suitcases sort of thing, just so they could feed us, you know, rather than have to risk not getting the stuff you need at the foreign place. Um, but it was, uh, it was, it was a great holiday. 
Um, I remember vividly one of the de- it was, was that hot, the Algarve for yeah the Algarve oh, yeah great spot and it was one Love one of the it. days it was it was forty three degrees centigrade oh my goodness um, which was just insane I'd never experienced anything like that. luckily we were at a water park that day okay so you're in and out of slides and that sort of thing but like yeah but you wouldn't get you would slide to slide to was death. horrific yeah <laughs> you know any sort of concrete was like it was lava <laughs> so you're just trying to like maneuver out. Oh. <laughs> Amazing. But yeah, Amazing. that was my first holiday. That was that was really good. Um yeah. really proper holiday. <laughs> I love burning my feet off. Yeah. <laughs> Those bacon common. sandwiches every morning were glorious. <laughs> yeah, I love the Portuguese bacon. <laughs> From Anglesey. <laughs> yeah, so me uh I when I was fifteen I went with my mother, and this is my first ever time in a plane, everything uh my sister lived in Edinburgh. She was a nurse there. She's 15 years older than me. So she was obviously well into her nursing career at that stage. Um, so we went to Edinburgh for five days in August. So during the Edinburgh fringe and everything. Uh, oh, cool. Um, and it was awesome. I mean, uh, I hit up the fringe. I went to see Ed- Eddie Izzard and Jack D. They were the two comedians that I watched on the TV that I wanted to see and was able to get tickets for them. It was a pretty much an eye opener because I didn't know, but Ed, Eddie Izzard came out in his kind of cross dressing uh, um, persona. So he either dresses like a man or a woman, and uh, he pretty much predominantly on the TV that I'd ever saw was just dressed like a man, and then he came out dressed as a woman for this show, and <laughs> I didn't know anything about that as a innocent Irish fifteen uh, year old. Uh, know nothing about nothing because the church don't lie you know and uh <laughs> and uh yeah that was an eye-opener but uh hilarious uh brilliant shows um and yeah i just remember the castle in edinburgh is amazing uh i got to go to hmv which is the big record store and pick up a lot of uh cds and vhs's Ooh. and stuff like that oh that i know competition to where i worked Boo. yeah who were you tower <laughs> no uh i was our price okay i don't even know that one sorry um yeah so that was just an eye opener like one of the things i remember and this shows how country uh i was (laughs) maybe still am i remember walking down the street in edinburgh and being kind of freaked out because nobody was saying hello back when i said hello to them (laughs) (laughs) because where i came from we literally just walked past everyone and said hello and these people were like who's that weirdo yeah (laughs) so that was that was me yeah uh i love edinburgh yeah oh yeah worth the trip anyone anyone ever thinking of going there don't think just do yeah right uh, this sounds like a short one for you, Mal, given what you've mentioned already, but what sports did you play growing up and <laughs> have you ever won anything sporting wise? Is that just a big fat no? Yeah, it was literally a fat no. What um, did you like in <laughs> PE or was there anything? I did. I didn't really like doing PE at all. I was, you know, well, I was, I, it wasn't until my teens I started to get more into playing sports. Okay, well, give um, us that then. Mid to late teens, uh, no, maybe mid to, but football, of uh, soccer okay. for her American listeners, football. Uh, at one point I played with a really terrible Sunday league team. 
Oh, cool. Didn't win a didn't win a single match. Lost a lot, like twelve one, twelve two. That kind of. Uh, it was a humbling experience. I can tell you that. But you had, um, a, you had a few nice Sunday afternoons out drinking, no? Or I, we were too young for that. Oh, we it was like, uh, yeah, little kids. Yeah, oh, yeah, still yeah, like yeah. that. Okay, shoot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other thing I did, and again, it was sort of mid teens. Um, played flag football, but uh, American flag football. Um, and I played a running. But I was in the running back position for that, and that was another terrible team. Although that was partly because there was no money and no, well, barely any of us there playing. It was actually for a team called the Birmingham Bulls, which are in the like the British American football leagues at the time were very good. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, they, the youth team that we were in was barely <laughs> existent. And we'd play so many teams who had like proper kits and there's us in our joggers and uh, a shirt. And uh, yeah, but it was fun. Jeez. That was a fun time. If you were a fatty in those days, Mal, um, yeah. were you named the fridge then as a running back? <laughs> I was too small. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, oh, what do you call it? The, uh, the bedside locker. Mini fridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mini fridge. Yeah. <laughs> the beer fridge. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rich. Nah. Yeah, it was fun, though. You've obviously um, mentioned that you were very sporty at school then. Yeah, I, I played literally every sport on offer um, and loved pretty much all of them. Um, I think football's probably my favourite. Um, I'm not going to call it the S word because it's football. Yeah. Um, suck, suck it up, Americans. Um, it's only I, I a question that. of getting the meaning. They know when uh, people with this accent say football, they know they're yeah. talking about. Uh, um, so I love, love football. Uh, always enjoy playing that. Um, rugby, rugby union. Um, played that a lot and was oh, much better at that than anything else. Yeah. So I what played, position I played did you camp, play? Uh, blindside flanker. Oh, that is literally getting your head kicked in from... Yeah, you're at the bottom of rocks yeah. all game. Yeah. yeah, I loved it. Explains a lot about the way he looks, doesn't it? Do you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but it's the kind of position no, that, handsome chap, it's the kind of position in rugby, and if, especially if you watch top-level rugby, uh, usually when there's a man of the match award, it's the one of the back rowers from the winning team, basically, <laughs> invariably gets yeah. the man of the match. Yeah. Remember somebody asked me, they're like, what do you do on the rugby pitch? Because whenever I see you, you're just getting up from the bottom of the ruck. I was like, yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. I get in there first for that. That's my job. <laughs> Tackle, pull, drag. I don't even see a ball all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I played county level rugby all the way through school sort oh. of thing. So, oh, wow. Uh, so there's what, count, the Gwynedd as it was in those days, is what, 200,000 people? So yeah, fairly decent sized area. Um, and I played county level so you were, all the way through. You were good fitness wise, or yeah, you wouldn't believe it looking at me nowadays. But I was no, actually I mean, it wasn't a, fit and, and wasn't with shade. It sort of I was thing. just yeah. wondering. Yeah, yeah. No, I um, I played one county football match as well, actually, but that was only because I knew the coach and they were shorter players. <laughs> so, um, so he drafted me, and although I did score much, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm happy with that. Um, cricket. I used to love cricket. I was never very good at cricket, but I really liked cricket. Wow. Um, keeper batsman. I say batsman, that's probably exaggeration, you know. He stood there with a bat. But I like playing wicketkeeper. That's a funny um, position. Golf, love playing golf. Uh, my dad 
was a keen golfer, so he got me involved when I was about 11. Uh, never reached anywhere near the ability of you, John, but I, I've always really liked it. Um, and that's, yeah, and that's... Uh, did we ask about the winning? Anything we did, didn't we? Yeah, the winning was part of that, yeah. so Yeah. Um, yes, I won uh, the Gwynedd County Golf Championships one year. Wow. Oh, nice. Um, well done. Yeah, it was just a one-day, one-day 18-hole tournament, and I won that. Awesome. So, uh, so at my mum's house, there's still the trophy, uh, the oil painting that was part of the prize, wow. randomly. An oil and, painting um, of you or an oil painting of... No, just this random oil painting. It's like, <laughs> great, okay, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, one of the chair six, people is like, yeah, oh, we could just throw this into the prize, couldn't we? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and six and six crystal glasses, which I've never used. So, um, <laughs> but yes, but I was for, for one year just out of university. I was um, uh, Gwynedd County Golf Champion. So that was a uh, wow. That was very impressive. Exciting. That's impressive. What about you, John? Yeah. Um, well, obviously, I've, I've mentioned about the golf thing before. But this harks back, Mal, to our propensity to just be average in the end. Because <laughs> I had a lot more potential as golf as a kid. Uh, and I kind of plateaued and just, you know, I eventually went to university and discovered girls and pubs and, you know, kind of knocked on the head. And I was a, you know, very good golfer as a kid and up to kind of early teens. But, uh, and kind of kept it up, but kind of just kept it at the kind of level, uh, you know, kind of five, six handicap kind of thing. Um, but I could have got... <laughs> You're saying that like it's a bad thing. I never got no, below 17 oh, was the lowest oh, I ever got handicap of course, wise. <laughs> of course it's good, but in relation to, you know, at, in my like in my late 30s, early 40s, I got to, to zero, which shows that I just, you know, waste... Like, and this was with a bad back and a kind of, you know, a, a load of kids, <laughs> like two kids and <laughs> not a load of kids, but kids, you know, that, you know, give you a lack of sleep and, you know, a lack of time and everything. Uh, but I managed to kind of put enough concentration and practice into it in the summers. And uh, I guess it was a bit my outlet for getting away from, you know, the stresses of everyday life. I kind of decided to, you know, put a bit more time into it, but not a major amount. And uh, yeah, so that was my thing. But uh, yeah, I wish I'd kind of pushed that a bit more when I was younger and fit. And, you know, I did have all the opportunities and didn't bother. Um some of that I will blame on my dad because he was always this the natural talent person. And I, I mean, no fault of his. This is just what he thought. But he didn't believe like kind of practice was that important. You know, you just either had or you didn't. Okay. Uh, and it's clearly not true. I mean, it obviously helps if you have a little bit of hand-eye coordination and talent, but you need to put in the hours and hours and hours, uh, which is why I improved more as an older person because I just practice things and I got, you know, I get lessons regularly, you know, you know, I get maybe 10 golf lessons a year now. Whereas when I was a teenager, I got like none, <laughs> you know, after a certain point, which is a shame. But, uh, you know, other than that, uh, yeah, I did all the other things. I loved, uh, uh football, uh, played in goals actually a lot. Um, even though I loved yeah, playing yeah. outfield in the kind of kick arounds, but I, I was generally played in goals. Um, in the teams I played for and hurling, I was quite good at, uh, which is an Irish sport, kind of a hockey in the air almost would be the, the crude way of describing it, um, with sticks and, uh, you have to wear a helmet now. You didn't back then. Um, and I probably would have been quite good at that, except that 
you know, like in my early teens, I got a like whack across the hand in one game and almost broke my hand. Didn't quite, but kind of was badly bruised for a couple of weeks and couldn't play golf. And then I was like, okay, that's not getting knocked on the head now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, I think sensible yeah. decision. But in the hurling, I won, uh, I think when I was in fourth class of primary school, we won the school league in hurling and I was the captain of the team, which was fun. So that's Better one thing. I remember. And actually one of the guys on the team actually was a very, ended up being a very successful kind of All-Ireland hurler uh, in, in, like in subsequent years. He was actually the son of the principal. So <laughs> a little bit of, uh, I don't know what you call it, nepotism there or whatever. But a nice lad and uh, very good. Yeah, he used to just spend his 24-7 hurling when he wasn't at school. So, um, yeah, so that was that. But sport sport as a thing, I mean, I don't know, maybe a bit like you guys, I consumed way too much of it now. And one of the things I struggled when COVID. Yeah, it's mainly football for you. I you say that Mal but you're my new fan do we call it football no not at the moment no. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's basically a soap, on, it's a soap opera like Coronation Street isn't it it's like man you Coronation like Street it. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it'd be nice if they just got on and played football would wouldn't it um, yeah, yeah uh, but that was one of the things with Covid that I always kind of for the first months of Covid when there was no sport that actually created a bit of a hole for me, you know, and it was, it was more of a getting used to a thing because kind of the week is structured around, you know, there's a bit of sport at the weekend, you know, on like I follow golf. So, you know, every Thursday a golf tournament starts somewhere in the world in the professional ranks. So you kind of, it's just, even if you're not watching that, you're looking it up on your phone in terms of uh, what's going on and whatever. So interesting, but, um, okay, let's get on a little bit, uh, I have um, just thought of something yeah. else I did oh, as a kid, and this was yeah. in this was in junior junior school. Wow. So I was very young when I did this. I actually I tried wrestling. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, your school did um, wrestling, I, or your there yeah. was a wrestling club around you. Wow! Yeah, yeah, in Birmingham, uh, I found like so. I think it was advertised in the newspaper, and the first place I went to a few few lessons, and it was like it wasn't. It wasn't Greco-Roman like they, they do in the American schools. It was professional wrestling. Um, and the first place I went, we started learning was on um, in a school. I can't even remember what school it was, but it was like hardwood floored gym. No mats, mm. just rolling around and all that. And I really enjoyed that. I loved that. Um, but then nobody was showing up, so I got moved. And that was a weeknight. Uh, and nobody was showing up, so I got sort of asked if I'd come along to the the weekend session they did because I had a few more people there uh, that was in the city centre, and that was like in a proper that was in a proper judo gym um, that's still there, um, you know, with proper mats and everything. But I was like the youngest because when I was doing it at the school, there were two of us that were about the same sort of age, and then the one of the kid the other kid dropped out, so he got one of his like mature students to come along who was quite a short guy so i was grappling with him um but then it was it moved to the judo gym and i don't know i just didn't take to it and there were it was more kids but all of them were older and bigger than me and i was a bit softer then and i kind of you know it's one of those it would have been interesting to see how it had that had panned out if i'd kept going and kept learning and all that but yeah but uh yeah awesome that's a 
I can't believe you forgot that, to be honest. No, I can't either. <laughs> right. So let's yeah, come, let's come, <laughs> let's combine the next two. So, uh, Rich, your first memories of the internet and were you an early adopter of the whole mobile phone thing when it came later and kind of tell us a bit about uh, that? The internet pretty much skipped me by. Um, my first memory of the internet is finding out that we had an internet room at university, which I didn't know existed. So what year was that be? Completely yeah. out of the loop. 95, 96. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and I didn't even know we had one. So eventually I found it and people, you know, dial up. So it took forever to open a page and all this sort of thing. Um, and I remember being sat in there um, and, it, you know, you meant to use it for research purposes because it's in the history department. Um so I was using the computer and uh, one of the lecturers walked in and he was like, oh, good to see you all using the computers and, you know, this thing called the internet. And what are you looking at, Richard? And I was like, uh, I'm looking at finishing moves on Mortal Kombat. <laughs> 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 and the combinations yeah. of those and his face just dropped and he's just like, for God's sake. <laughs> oh, um, so that was my you? first, that was my first introduction to the internet. Um, Mobile phones, similarly, I was way behind the times on that. Uh, my first one I got in 2000. Um, and the only reason I got it, because the uh, hour price that I worked in the record retail shop, um, they'd converted to a shop called V-Shop, um, which is a bit more high-tech, and they'd started selling Virgin mobile phones. So each staff member got a free phone. So that was the only reason I had one. Ah. Uh, and it was an Alcatel, and it was it was awful. I, th- I sent you guys a picture in the chat. Yeah, it looks horrific. Um, it was it's described like, as the cow because totally it was black and white. It was just just terrible. Phone. It looks like a kid's walkie-talkie from today. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I still have the same mobile phone number now, twenty-four years later. But it's a, oh, wow. wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's a terrible, terrible phone. So I barely used it. Um, but again, only because it was given out free to staff because we were selling them, so they wanted to be able to talk about them. Um, otherwise, it would take me many years before I'd got a phone. Like smartphones, I was years behind everybody getting smartphones as well. I think I got my first smartphone when Holly was about one, so that was, what, 10 years ago? Wow. And they'd been around for a long time, so yeah, I, I, I'm slow with the technology side of things. Wow, that's amazing. Mal, what you got there, Chris? Um, memory of the internet is a bit... <laughs> I couldn't specify dates and times. I mean, I always did IT. Do you remember life before the internet? I do, big time, life yeah. before it, yeah, for sure. Um, when we were talking about, or when you said about this, my biggest memory of like early internet is buying magazines with the CD of the internet service provider on. So you're wow. talking about like a America <laughs> Online and Netscape. Yeah. That's class. Um yeah, yeah, and you'd obviously you'd put it in. You'd you could buy like a month or however long of uh, internet service provider time, and as as Rich said, it was the old dialer and the old <laughs> in the background. Yeah, yeah. If you accidentally picked up the phone while someone was on the internet, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I can't remember specifics about what I would have been looking at at all. Yeah, I mean, it would have all been very tame. I was very, you know, again. Oh yeah, we're not looking for a scandal here. Yeah. Oh no, no, but it was. And then uh, mobile phones. <clears throat> um, 
so after digging around and and that, it turns out I probably had a phone in in ninety uh, nineteen ninety nine. Probably was when I first started using mobile phones, which is a little bit after I think it was becoming common. Um, and I had the Bosch five oh nine E, which was a wow. cool looking phone. Um, and it's weird because I'd have been of a decent age then. I'd have been. Hang on, this is where I have to try and remember. I think I'm 19, or I, 1999, yeah. um, which I was earning my own money at that point with a part-time job, but I've, I have memories of my parents helping me. You're middle the class, also. Well, yeah, I mean, they've helped, <laughs> helped me. They? Really, realistically, they've, they've helped me for a long, long time after that, but, you know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's cool. It's true. It's <laughs> is what it is <laughs> fair enough <laughs> yeah, but for, yeah so yeah that's my memories for me it was yeah college in 96 I started September 96 in the University of Limerick doing my computer science degree so and I hadn't a clue about computers back then you know it was literally you know Sega and Nintendo was kind of computer to me back then so um, and yeah it was the internet so these old windows NT four maybe Windows ninety five machines, um, extremely slow. Uh, these kind of grey websites with kind of you know I remember Yahoo dot com yeah for searching for stuff. And what I specifically remember was that like you know, we we got a chance within the computer science course to kind of build you know or to to have our own kind of. Uh, part of the internet so they gave you like on a linux server you could kind of have your own like domain name where you could make your own page and everyone would just make a page basically dedicated to their favorite band at the time (laughs) and put up like pictures and you know kind of uh, talk about their favorite songs and whatever so very very kind of basic but like shows you how stuff like facebook and all that has been so successful because it kind of it kind of talks into that, you know, that's kind of what we were doing. Um, and then the other thing I remember doing with the internet back at the very start is looking up guitar chords and printing endless sheets on a dot matrix printer of guitar tabs and bringing them back home to my student house to try and figure out <laughs> and then realizing that mightn't be right. <laughs> but I've paid 20 cent a page for, <laughs> for, for the printout so <laughs> kind of stuck with it now i'll have to make the best of it yeah so uh and mobile phone i just remember in ireland in the like 98 99 uh they introduced this kind of pay as you go uh thing where you could get a mobile phone for uh you know for a certain nominal enough fixed price and then you could buy these top-up cards you know to put 20 uh 20 euros credit in it for example and, uh, you know, your text messages will cost, you know, whatever it was, six to 10 to 12 cent. I can't remember. Uh, and the phone calls were, you know, a certain cent a minute, whatever thing. Uh, and yeah, I just remember that was the start of the whole digital thing, uh, with, with mobile phones. So I remember a friend having a mobile phone before that and it was an analog mobile phone. So there was no SMS or anything like that. And then this was uh, at the start when I got mobile phones, I think maybe just before that, 
kind of the first digital mobile phones, the SMSs were for free because nobody kind of realized that was going to be a product. And then suddenly people started sending SMSs and it was like, oh, okay, we we should charge for these because apparently SMSs were supposed to be just this service for mobile phone engineers to send messages between each other when they're fixing the, the masks and stuff. Right. Uh, yeah, okay. that was the band that they used for. So uh, that's where that came from. And then I remember over, you know, the following years, always the article on New Year's Eve was about how many record number of uh, text messages were going to be sent that year. And then as we moved into smartphones, that kind of just petered away. Yeah. But I remember you like your phone wouldn't work for an hour or two after midnight on New Year's Eve. I always remember that. Yeah, it's funny. So, yeah. And text messages were kind of a life changer in, in that regard, you know. How big time, yeah. Up to that, you'd have to be ringing girlfriends houses and you know maybe having to speak to their father and you know <laughs> cringely embarrassingly do the small talk <laughs> while their beloved daughter came to talk to this Egypt that was looking to ask them out on a date or whatever uh it was easier by text i can tell you that much and obviously much easier these days although it comes with its own problems right uh on the home stretch here so um, tell us about a memorable live event that you've been to. So, anyone got one? I've got a biggie. Oh, go for it. I was lucky enough. I mean, I know I have a feeling in the uh, Legion's community, there's a few wrestling fans, and I, although I don't watch it so much anymore, I have been and was a huge wrestling fan throughout my time um and the only reason i don't watch it so much anymore isn't because i'm not a fan it's just time there's so much other stuff to do and watch um but i was lucky enough sorry i got distracted there to go to SummerSlam 92 at wembley wow which was uh, yeah 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 it was one of the i think it well they recently have done a couple of events outside of america but you know that was the first and for a long time, the only time they had a main event outside of uh, the United States. Um, and I was lucky enough well, I guess to go. Hulk Hogan and that lot were still around then, weren't they? Uh, no, Hogan would have... You see, this is where I'm, my timelines are terrible, but I think Hogan was possibly retired or something for the first time or... He wasn't. Oh, he went to the NWO, NCW, whatever, didn't he? So at NWO, yeah. he was he was doing in, what, yeah. in WCW, but I don't think it was at that time because well, the main event was Bret Hart versus uh, British Bulldog for the Intercontinental. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I forget what the what the world title match was if we got one, but of course, I mean, it was British Bulldog. They were you know they were playing to the home crowd with that yeah. one, and he won. They were brother-in-laws too, weren't they? British Bulldog they were married were. to Bret Hart's sister. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Davy Boy Smith. Um, yeah, it, it, fantastic event, fantastic thing to be. I, I made a sign, took my sign. I was a huge Legion of Doom fan. So I took oh, sign Legion, of, the Legion of Doom on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, a big, you know, uh, Legion of Doom rode in on that. Well, they brought back a manager, Paul Ellering, who. They hadn't had for years. I mean, I didn't really know who he was at the time, but as, as I've gotten older and watched more DVDs about the history of them, I obviously know who he is. 
but they brought him back. Awesome speech, the uh, speech uh, sort of thing they do, you know, when they do the interview before yeah. the match, there's this awesome, but then they rode down to the ring on motorcycles wearing gold because they used to wear big spiked uh, football pads. So, and uh, mm. they were like these bright shining gold football pads. And yeah, it was, uh, as I say, absolutely fantastic. You know, at the time, you perhaps don't realise how lucky you are to be there. But as I've gotten older, you know, it's more and more you're like, wow, <laughs> I was, my parents really, as I say, really spoiled me. Um, <laughs> and uh, bonkers to think we drove up there that one day, you know, we drove up there in, to go to the event and then my dad drove back at night from London. So mm. uh, fair play here is really, really good. See, the only live professional wrestling I've ever seen, it was giant haystacks. Oh, oh wow. yeah. And Big <laughs> so Daddy. I was in sixth form, so it would have been like early 90s sort of thing. Yeah, it was, it was giant haystacks was on the card. Big Daddy wasn't. Oh. But it was just it was just in a little little community sports centre sort of thing in North Wales. <laughs> and it was, um, they used to have a, a channel on, um, or a programme on uh, S4Cs, the Welsh language TV channel. And it's called Wrestler. Um, and... And that was that was broadcast on that, and all you could hear was the the crowd chanting, "You fat bastard, you fat!" <laughs> just all the way through this fight because they just didn't bother blocking out the wow. background noise, sort of thing, and it was just hilarious. I love it. <laughs> right, Rich, what do you got for this one? Um, I've been to a few memorable Liverpool games, um, Liverpool FC football games, uh, but I think if I'm going to go for an event I think it would be um, I went to uh, Rugby Union World Cup Sevens to- uh, tournament so they have the, the sort of Sevens tour that goes around yeah that's all the supposed to be great, uh, great fun. yeah and I went to Twickenham um, it would have been 2010 um, and it's a two day thing so Saturday and Sunday um, so we, we went down uh, stayed at a friend of a friend's drank copious amounts of beer, ate loads of food. It was awesome. Um, but there was one match where it was Wales against Kenya. Um, uh, and we scored first and I was like, jumped up and was like, yes. And then suddenly realized in the bank of fans, I was literally the only Wales fan because nobody else moved. <laughs> oh my like, goodness. Okay, that's, that's fine. No problem there. Uh, and yes. then Kenya oh, scored. Tired. And, 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 then, and then Kenya scored again. And you can imagine the sort of grief I was getting at that point. Literally, everyone was stood up and pointing at me, like, hey! uh, and we lost to Kenya. So, yeah, that was oh, uh, that bit was awful. But as a weekend, it was a really memorable sporting event. It was, it was really great fun. Wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah, mine is uh, I, I went to a lot of concerts, uh, like rock concerts as a kind of teenager, early 20s. Um, but the biggest one I probably went to was in 2000 uh, in Nürburgring, actually very close to where I live these days. On the back then, <laughs> I got a bus from Dublin with some friends, uh, kind of took almost the guts of two days. We stayed in a hostel in London for a night with a load of like <laughs> very strange people. <laughs> it was pretty weird. Um, in the Nürburgring in Germany, Rock am Ring, uh, 2000 and that was a pretty good one. Like one of my favorite bands, Pearl Jam was playing uh, and I actually saw them like two weeks before in Dublin. So it was kind of interesting to, to see, see them so close to each other. Um, 
they were actually supported by Oasis, or like the the band on before them, and the list was Oasis, and they actually got booed off the stage. Oh, really? <laughs> because it, there was so many Pearl Jam fans there, and I suppose Oasis were were kind of weren't cool anymore at the time, you know. Mm. Uh, especially for the rocker, Sting was there. He was great. He, you know, everyone likes a bit of Sting. Uh, Rage Against the Machine were on a, a little bit before Oasis. It, it was kind of, you know, it was like. Sting, okay, fine. And then Rage Against the Machine, Oasis, Pearl Jam. So you can imagine that Oasis were struggling with that crowd. <laughs> yeah, not really their crowd, is it? And that's on, like the Nürburgring is a Formula One track. So I remember sitting in the pit, in like one of the kind of Formula One pits, uh, watching Rage Against the Machine kind of, you know, from the side. Uh, you know, I didn't go into the kind of middle, the crazy bit with that. It was like, it was too much for me, you know, even... Uh, it, that was pretty crazy. Um, and then the next night they had, I was into a lot of metal at the time, whatever, and they had a band called Slipknot. I don't know if you know them. They yeah, dress yeah. up in kind of overalls and kind of these crazy masks. That was just a, like an absolutely mental experience. Uh, and a band I was really into back at the time was the Deftones, another metal band, kind of <sighs> almost a bit new metal. Um, yeah, so my they mate's were band for a long time, a very Deftones-esque. Yeah. Exactly. So that was great. And like the other things I remember was back in the little small, because in Germany, you don't really get hostels, but you get a lot of these kind of small local hotels. And this hotel, this old woman ran it. The first was there was vending machines on the street where you could buy cigarettes if you wanted to, (laughs) which was an eye opener coming from where we come from. Um, In the hotel, you could buy a bottle of vodka with the equivalent of eight, like eight euros these days. So it was still back in, wow. I think that was the year before the Euro, so it was still in Deutschmarks. And a two litre <clears throat> bottle of Coke then for, you know, whatever, a couple of, couple of quid. Uh, and that's what we used to get. <laughs> the bottle of vodka and a two litre <laughs> bottle of Coke. We sat around mm-hmm. at a table and then when that was gone, we get another one. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the days, eh, John? So, so that was our kind of evenings entertainments, you know, outside of, you know, getting the bus to and from and obviously paying for overpriced uh, beer and whatever at the concert. But um, yeah, that was an experience. I couldn't do it these days, obviously, you know, that was literally at the day. I remember going to Milton Keynes actually around that time as well to see Black Sabbath. Um, and that was crazy. And Ozzy was an absolute lunatic. Uh, but it was really good. Milton Keynes is like nothing. It's literally a load of roundabouts. And it's a concrete hellhole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was really weird to see a con- concert like that in, in somewhere like that. Uh, and I remember Foo Fighters supporting them as well, which was awesome. I've seen Foo Fighters a lot, of, a lot of times back in, back in the day. Actually, probably my favorite concert was seeing Foo Fighters, but in a, like a 2000 seater venue back in Dublin in 2001. That's yeah, where you want to see a band, I, not not in a big stadium, you know. So that was that. Um, you know, I guess as you get older, you kind of see less and less of those things. Like my ideal concert these days would be to see whatever my favorite band might be in a pub. <laughs> That's not going to happen. It's totally unrealistic. <laughs> uh, so the next best thing to that is if you see a great covers band in a pub or, you know, a great singer songwriter in a pub. I, lo- I love live music uh, and I generally tend to drink too much when live music is on because it's kind of, you know, you get the buzz from it, you know, but, uh, yeah. So I'm not going to go to these big stadium concerts anymore. I'm afraid. Definitely not the rock ones anyway. 
Well, I found I found the money to go and watch the Foo Fighters uh, oh, this nice. year now in June. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's not yeah. cheap, but I, uh, they're great. Though. They're where are great. they playing, Matt? I think it's Aston uh, Villa Park. Still, they, that's uh, where it was, and then it got cancelled when Taylor died. Taylor Hawkins died. Oh but yeah. I'm sure they also, this is a there. reschedule. Yeah, yeah. Although. Everyone had to buy their tickets again. They refunded the tickets the first time because I have a sneaking suspicion Dave wasn't sure if he was going to carry on at that point. But yeah, uh, which I may, which makes sense. Yeah, I saw them in '96 yeah. for the first time. It was very close to the start for them, and mm, I remember. Funnily enough, it's really weird because I was a big Nirvana fan, so it was really weird to just see them. Right, to see know? him as the frontman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, uh, I remember. Well, well, one of my other memorable events would have been i mean they were already pretty big then it was um oh it's i was 18 19 so and it was uh i forget which album was it learn to fly at that point what year or the one uh uh 2018 2019 oh that's a that's a lot later than learn to fly then Oh uh, yeah, the pretender okay. maybe um, you got no. That's even after. Uh, that. No, that's. Uh, yeah. Anyway, this is a great it, one by one. No, one by one is it? I don't know. Anyway, but um, well, I forget which album it was. But anyway, it was the tour related to that album, and my mate sort of had a spare ticket. So I was like, "Come on, come on!" I was working nights, yeah. <laughs> and he woke me up, and he was like, "You gotta come on, I've got free ticket." And I was like, "Oh no, no!" I mean, I wasn't particularly a Foo fan then. You know, they were all right. I mean, but yeah, and how old were you, did you yeah. say, Mel? 18, 19? Yeah, yeah. 18. So it'd have been like 98, 99 then, not... Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, 98. Yeah, um, did I say 2000? <laughs> you said 2018. It was like, you know, uh, A, you're trying to claim you're a lot younger than you are. <laughs> I keep doing that lately. I keep doing that lately. Um Hang on. But yeah, so so anyway, I went along to that gig and they turned me into a fan in a night of, well, you know, awesome. There's nothing left to lose. Well, That's probably are, what it was. Oh, nothing left to lose, yeah. But that was way before 2018, yeah? Yeah, I'll say, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was 98. Yeah, it was 98. No. I was 18. Oh, so okay, 98. You were yeah. okay, I'm getting yeah. my dates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm getting old and forgetting yeah. how old I am. The colour and the shape <laughs> was 97. So yeah, that was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember my brother dropping me, seventeen-year-old me, off at that concert. So he's ten years older than me, so he'd have been what uh, twenty-eight, uh, just slagging me off for going to see the Foo Fighters and kind of you know way into that crap. And he has been to see them about ten times, I think. He's, you know, oh, in his really? later life, oh, and he's a huge fan. All his all his kids are into them, and you know, he worships Dave Grohl as like the god of rock. And uh, <laughs> he was slagging a seventeen-year-old me for going to see them, you know. Because he didn't like Nirvana, <laughs> and he just kind of lumped them all in that being an eighties kid. Anyway, yes, enough family feuds for you. Uh, <laughs> so, two more left. Two quick ones. Uh, which theme park is on your wish list? So for me, I think it's probably the Harry Potter one in Universal Studios. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know why, because I'd love to bring my wife to it because she's a Harry Potter fan and I think that would be so much fun. Yeah. Obviously, the Star yeah. Wars one is, is a given as well, but yeah. What do you say? That's yours, Ma? Um, yeah, I'd love to go back to Disney or Universal and or Universal in Florida or California. I've been 
Florida a couple of times, California mm. very quickly once. But yeah, um, I'd love to go back. Um, it's fun, isn't it? It's total escapism. So yeah, that'd be mine as well. And Rich? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Mal, I've done Florida a couple of times. Um, I've done California a couple of times. So I've done like Six Flags Valencia, which is one of the biggest theme parks in America. It, have you done that stuff, one so. with the smugglers resting and the... The Falcon. I did it. No, since they since they've started, that was unfortunately we were due to go last year, and that yeah. that fell through. So that looked um, like the ultimate so, for a Star Wars. So I missed fan. that, but yeah, that that would be great. But I've been to the parks before, so um, so I did a quick Google while we were on to find like best theme parks. Yeah. Um, and I now want to go to Dubai because there's one called uh, IMG World's Adventure, which is an indoor theme park in Dubai. Oh wow! Like full on roller coasters and everything. Uh, oh, okay. with marble zones and all this like six properly hours flight big, from here you know so yeah properly big posh thing um so i want to go there because i think that'd be amazing going to an indoor theme park that sounds good yeah, yeah. Sounds especially cool. in dubai yeah. you probably yeah. want it indoor because the weather is generally oh yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, but no i mean I, I love theme parks but I've, I've been to most or a lot of the big american ones you know california florida ones sort of you know, bush gardens and all that sort of stuff um yeah Right, and then to round us out for these, um, tell us about your first pet and your current pets. <laughs> so, Rich. I'll go first because I suggested it. My first yeah. pet was a goldfish that um, that my gran won at a fair. Uh, <laughs> so she won it. I think she was throwing darts, which is never a good idea around bags of goldfish, but there we go. <laughs> um, and obviously cruel, quite frankly, but... Um, so she won me this goldfish, so I took it home and I had it seven years. Um despite being this little runty thing from the from the fair, it um it, it did really well. Um and then we went Oh god, in fact it was actually the holiday when we went when we flew out on my birthday. Um and we got my grandparents to look after the fish and they fed it to death while we were away. Um <laughs> So we came home to find that this fish had pretty much burst because they just every time they went past the tank, they put food in and it just eaten itself to death. Oh no! In the in the two weeks that we were gone, so that was that was a bit difficult, but uh, <laughs> that's tough. Uh, yes, yeah, so that was my first pet, um, and then currently uh, keeping the fish theme, I have a a small tropical fish tank. Um, it's only uh, sixty five liters, so what sixteen seventeen gallons. It's quite a small one. I've had bigger in the past, but I've just got back into it. Um, I've got 20 fish or so in there, some shrimps. Uh, really enjoying that again. Um, I'm sort of dropping hints to my good lady wife that maybe we need a bigger tank. Um, she's rebuffing those quite robustly at the moment, it has to be said. Um, I get comments like, you've got the entire spare room for your collectibles, yeah, and now you want to put a fish, big fish tank downstairs. Uh, and we also have two gerbils as well as, as the family pets. Wow. So, um, yeah, gerbils. Gerbils are one of those things that everyone goes like, what the hell's a gerbil? Everyone like, knows hamsters, they know mice, they know rats. Um, but yeah, it's just a rodent. Uh, and they're yeah, awesome. It's, it's one of those, yeah. I would always say uh, yeah. it's something like a hamster. Yeah. Uh, and ironically, they're in one of my old fish tanks. So i got a really big 180-litre fish tank, which I don't trust to hold water anymore because um, it was 20 years old. So the gerbils, yeah, that's now their gerbilarium. Gerbilarium. So, <laughs> yeah. So they've it's... Um, in fact, if I turn the camera on you, there you go. Uh, oh yes, my goodness! Cool. Yeah. Oh, it's full of kind of. So nice big layer of to dig yeah. in, and yeah, 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 yeah. they got like 
all sort of stuff in there and that sort of thing. So yeah, so um, so once once they go, then that could be the area for a new fish tank. <laughs> well, you didn't see listeners. You, you mean was, move r- out, was Rich doing the was Rich doing the kind of air quotes there when he said the go. air quotes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Once they move out, once they move on to a better place, <laughs> then um, that's prime spot for a four foot fish tank. So, all right, Mal, do you have anything to contribute here at all? Uh, first pet was a, a rabbit called Hazel, named Aww. after the rabbit from uh, Watership Down. So that film, obviously, <laughs> okay. that obviously had an impact. Wow, had an impact. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was. Uh, it wasn't. I don't have particularly fond memories. It was a bit, a bit of a. It was nice. It was cute, but it was dumb. We had two Hazel and Frisky that we got from a reader. <laughs> you named yeah. the rabbit Frisky. <laughs> named it Frisky. <laughs> it was an innocent child <laughs> thing. I don't know, but um, yeah, they were. They were. They weren't the most. Uh, they didn't have a lot of character to them. To be honest with you, they were. <laughs> not the best pets um i've had other pets in the past i've had a hamster and my sister had some rats and that but i i don't have pets now uh, i can't take the stress of when they're not very well i can and oh. i can be barely bothered to look after myself most days so having to look after a little <laughs> don't creature don't that's relying on me i can't man. take it you're fully together. Don't break the illusion. You're fully together. You're a professional podcaster. Everything is normal. You come with this silky voice. You read these amazing stories. Don't let the listeners hey, you down. Know, it's, uh... I'm sure I come across as really normal and adjusted when you meet me. <laughs> Don't worry, everyone. We won't be letting Mal do an episode by himself. Don't worry. That's not <laughs> yeah, well, I'd, I'd love just him to. Into, I'd love him to. You know, just send me the audio file. Into it. madness and talking about <laughs> all sorts of. Mal is like a literally the nicest host. man from the podcast. You know. You might be under the illusion that it's rich for me, but it's definitely not. <laughs> I don't think that's me. Not us. I'm just saying you might be under the illusion it's <laughs> me or you, but it's definitely Mal. Yeah. So you can have that one. But yeah. I, so pets for me. Like animals. Actually coming into Rich's domain, my first actual pet, because we didn't have pets. Uh, my parents were not pet people. You know, they didn't have any sort of pets. Um, so as a kind of, uh, maybe when I had my first job or whatever, uh, and I lived with a few people, we had a fish tank and I had a fish yep. called Trent Excellent. after Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. And, uh, I've loved, I wanted to find this type of fish ever since. And I can't remember, but he kind of, it was obviously a freshwater, it was a cold water, freshwater tank. So, you know, nothing too exotic, but he kind of had this kind of big jowls and kind of, uh, uh, it wasn't a classic goldfish, you know? So, um, yeah. Okay. Rich is, uh, giving me the, wait a minute. Uh, so he's going to come back to that. I get his fish book. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it looked like a bit of a, you know, a bit of a piranha job, but you know, a bit of a regular and, uh, and that was in a tank with a couple of other goldfish and, Maybe it just had an underbite. Yeah, maybe he had an underbite, yeah. And he had a great little life uh, until, like most fishies, in the end he didn't, Um, which was a shame for him. But, uh, yeah, oh no, Rich has just gone to get a battery. 
Ladies and gentlemen, get the plug for his laptop um, before it runs out of battery. So he's not going to give us any fish inside. And then today, as I've probably mentioned before, we have cats. So I have three cats at the moment. Uh, two half mancoons, kind of maybe one of them is the third mancoon. One is a mommy and a son. So the half mancoon is a white one called Ghost. And then her son is called Niffy. And he's a kind of tiger. He's bigger than her. They're big. They're like six and a half kilo cats. And then we have a tiny little gray one called Pixie. And as I mentioned on a previous recent episode, we're getting a mancoon. And we had kind of one source, but we've actually gone for another one because that came to our attention. And the kitten is already there and he's coming in a couple of weeks. He's about eight weeks old and he's stayed with the mother until he's 12 weeks old. Um, And that's a fully purebred mancoon kitten called Filian. Um, but you can change the name of them. So we wanted to kind of give him another name that's our own name, uh, but to kind of keep it in similar sounding. So we're going to call him Vali, which is actually the Norse god of revenge, which sounds just perfect to me, to be honest. Yeah, that's very cool. Sounds totally badass. Uh, now, the kids were kind of pushing back on that this evening but I explained to them that when they're old enough and they can get their own cat they can call it whatever they want (laughs) (laughs) and until that day (laughs) or they can cough up out of their savings which are inaccessible unfortunately but you know theoretically and pay for the cat and when I told them the price of the cat they went I'm good with the name (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> can i still pet it yes okay all good for me <laughs> amazing and can i get still get a birthday present yes okay we're all good dad <laughs> we we let um we let my daughter name the gerbil so we had four gerbils oh, okay gerbil is a pretty yeah it's yeah, pretty it's quite, easy quite a big yeah. quite a big thing uh quite a big tank they're in yeah. sort of thing so we got four um and she's like what do i call them it needs to be something that goes together so we ended up with... Um, oh, so she named all four? All four. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you yeah. must really love her. So we've, we've still got waffles and pancake. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then we've lost crumpet and muffin. Wow. That's amazing. So there was a full breakfast buffet going on there with the, uh, with the gerbil names. <laughs> well, as long as you didn't eat them. Uh, no, we didn't. No. It was a sad time in, that, in the... Uh, the Muck Jones household when they passed, bless him. I can imagine, yeah, absolutely. Right, so guys, um, I'm going to get us out here tonight on a question that I had from one of our biggest fans, which is Ralph Mouse uh, on the Discord, and he asked, what other conventions besides Legion's Con are we interested in or will perhaps even visit in 2024? And related to that, any recommendations? So I just have one and it's it's almost shame on me that I've never been to this one because it's like an hour and a bit down the road is Greyskullkan, which is the German Motu convention. Ah, okay. And obviously you've heard in the past, I'm a Motu fan. I should have gone to this a long time ago. It was, it's kind of 50%, a bit like if I was coming from Legions from the outside, I'd wonder if it's a bit of a closed shop. I'm sure it isn't. No, so, you know, but like the, there's a little bit of that. 
And then the other part of it is obviously, you know, it's in Germany. <laughs> and as much as they all speak English and it's wonderful, and actually my German is manageable in terms of understanding at least, um, over the years that that's kind of dissuaded me from going, but I should go, you know, and I think even Ralph has been to that. So, I mean, even the fact of, if I knew that Ralph or Nico was going to go, uh, to Grace Gulkan, I should just go and meet them, you know, and hang out with them for the weekend. That would be awesome. Um, is, is that the one that, that it's, it gets its own like exclusives and things? They do them through the German or... community or whatever. It's not a huge con yeah, in terms of right. like size. It's not like, you know, but in it's not even bigger than Legion's no, Con or anything so. like that. But um, yeah. within the Motu community, it's quite a big one, uh, totally dedicated yeah. to Motu. And there's a lot of really hardcore Motu fans in Germany and they put a lot of work into it. So they definitely have done kind of, yeah, specific exclusives to that. And they've got companies to kind of get on board with them. So, yeah, that would be a good one for for Motu. And I should go. It's It's always just at a awkward time of the year it's kind of almost when school starts again in september it's always been around then which i think has been part of the ease of not going in terms of oh just got so much on now and you know i'd love to go to this but i can also kind of miss it so that's the one for me i mean there is all the other you know this germany comic-con and all those ones but I just think they're just so obvious and kind of like so big and you could just get lost on them and yeah, they would be fun to go to, but I'm not sure they would be a destination thing to go for, you know, that would be more of, yeah, if I'm close by and you know, if I feel like it, I go, but it's not a San Diego, like San Diego is probably similar to those cons, but San Diego just has it, you know? And your Comic-Con probably just has it. And that's maybe just a marketing thing. I don't know. So what about you guys? Um, I The generic cons work for me. So there's like MCM mm. Comic-Cons, which are the big ones in the UK. Um, although I haven't been for a couple of years now, but I used to go to those most Do you think you get value out of them now these days in terms of picking up no, a few things? No, to be honest, or? because of what I collect... I, you know, I've scaled right back on the Marvel Legends and that sort of stuff, so there's probably not that much for me to make it worthwhile. Um, what they do have, though, they have toy fairs at the, the NEC in Birmingham as well, um, which I keep meaning to go to, so I'm going to try and get to one of those this year. Well, you should I'm definitely sure get one like and report back from toy car, for the podcast. Toy cars you know, I'd love that. Toy trains and that, but yeah. Get along to one of those. Um, and then Bristol does an anime and gaming con. Um, oh, and my daughter is anime. massively yeah. into anime stuff so so yeah. we'll go to that again this year as well which is great for her but the anime does not much for me i'm afraid no nothing for me either we went to an amazing one in london last year called hyper japan which was just all about japan oh yeah, i remember seeing the, the pics from that yeah yeah and um, my daughter was like really keen and one of my nephews was really keen as oh, well sort of thing. so we went so they had an amazing time and that was the important thing um, but it was just about Japanese culture, full stop. They had like stalls selling um, sake, like, you know, from the entry level stuff up to the really posh stuff. Uh, there was another one selling Japanese crockery. We came back with loads of that. So that's an experience. So if, if they do that again this year, we'd probably go along to that as well. That was um, great fun. At least you can for a couple sake. of years. Uh, for a couple of years, Hyper Japan was added on to MCM in London. Ah, um, was it? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then I think it. You know, it got big enough to be its own thing, and MCM was bought out by Reed Pop, wasn't it? So, uh, uh, 
Yeah, it was very much his own thing last year. It was in, um, yeah. Oh God, it was Alexandria Palace where they do the Horse of the Year show? I think it Sounds was there. Right, but yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, really good. Cool, Mal. So get us out of here on your uh, recommendations. Obviously, tell uh, well, us where you're going soon. Well, I mean, I was saving up to do PowerCon, but of course, because that got cancelled, I decided to find something else and go and see our uh, our friends <laughs> over in uh, Muskegon uh, yes. and go to Muskecon. Love um, it. Really looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> really looking forward to that, of course. Um, I'd still like to do PowerCon one day, though. Um, whether it'll be next year or not, we'll have to see. It depends on, because it's... It's turned out to be quite expensive to do two trips to the states in a year, which I suspected it would. But yeah, yeah. Um, but it's worth it. You get it's the value out of it, I think. Yeah, you can't yeah, take it with you, Mal. It's just like if you got the chance, yeah. then just do it and go absolutely, for it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I I won't do it this year, but I would like to go back because I've been to MCM London quite a lot. I'd like to do that again at some point. Yeah. And I'm I'm same as Rich, though so, uh, I sort of stopped doing it because my interests, as much as there's a lot there that I'm interested in, is a lot of walking around stalls that I had absolutely no interest in. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's more the the uh, audience bits and that. Um, so, yeah, like Rich, it's, I'd like to do a few more toy fairs, one of which is the big one at the NEC that they have. Yeah, um, I'd, lo- I'd love to find more toy shows where I can just dig in bins and stuff, you know, you know, I'm not a really a vintage collector, but you know, if I found enough $5 vintage stuff in bins, I could build a couple of shelves and, you know, be good with it. It It would be fun. I've sort of, yeah, I don't know what it is, but something's triggered me a bit more recently. I'm sort of having a browse on eBay and the such like for a certain vintage, just not even necessarily the intention of buying. It's just like, oh, what would be quite cool to, <laughs> you know, that something that's not going to be super expensive, but would be a fun little collection. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, I've still got, because my parents, bless them, never threw out any of my toys when I was a kid. Um, so I'm... I'm Selling my Star Wars stuff. Um, oh, I've slowed down. I've been terrible posting on eBay, but get rid of all that. Um, but some of the stuff I, I'm going to keep. So once the display room is sorted out, I'm going to bring down my G.I. Joes that I've still got from when I was a kid and put them next to the classified versions. That's a good idea. Those are cool little display pieces. And then That will really tell you a lot, won't it? Yeah. And then also my uh, G1 Transformers, I'm going to bring down and put next to my Masterpiece ones. Perfect. That's cool. So again, see those. So yeah. So that's one of the exciting things about redoing the room. It will take a while before I can do that. Um, but yeah, that's one of the eventual aims. So brilliant. Well, guys, thanks a million for your company this week. Enjoyed that. I hope the listeners yeah, get to know good. us a bit more. Look out hope for they've enjoyed it as well. Yeah, look out for episode 50 next week and tell all your friends, join the Patreon. And stay safe, everybody.